0: Здравствуйте! Представьте, что вы Усетки. Добро пожаловать на еще один подкаста «Вы Усетки. сетки!» Представим вам TextMex Production. Хотите настраивать цифру млады? Будут наши продюсеры Тим и Дейли Давайте поприветствуем наших ведущих, Драга Бенла и Эджей Чабрио, которые проведут нас через пять сетов, говоря про теннис, все, что он предразумевает, и, возможно, даже про жизнь. Ну, наверное, как она кажется им.
1: Thanks to our At The Net podcast girl for the introduction. Welcome fans of The Great Game. You are listening to Season 1, Episode 4 of At The Net podcast with AJ Chabria, a.k.a. AJC. You're there.
2: I'm here. I'm At The Net. How about you, Craig?
1: And CB1, that's me, a.k.a. Craig Bell. We are talking The Great Game of Tennis and all that implies as it seems to us, right?
2: Absolutely, as it seems. And I noticed when you said that, you spelled the word seems, S-E-A-M-S.
1: That, that is correct. Uh, also, Such a
2: sports guy.
1: Yes, we are. We are we, just just on top of things right here at The World. Thanks go out to our good amigos at Tex-Mex Productions. That would be Darian D-Mac McBrayer and Dave the Brain. He's twisting and tweaking the dials tonight from back of the house, making it sound like real people, isn't he? Producers, yeah. sound
2: Pro- engineers. You guys yes. are as we're real not as around. it
0: gets, especially at CB one
1: Yeah. Also, be sure to check out our good work on SoundCloud, Fireside, Spotify, iTunes, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, all the important communication sites that you kids find popular. If you're a female, sorry, guys, and would like to read our opening intro for At The Podcast, uh, or At The Net Podcast, Mm -hmm. and be an At The Net girl, let us know we're always looking for new female voices to do our intro. So, a little housekeeping right there, but we also, uh, welcome to the At The Net Podcast would be our good buddy. And friend and fellow tennis professional Jason Marshall Jason Late. how you doing? Hey guys how's it going? Thanks
2: for having me on here Jason, thank you for being here. love absolutely. Uh... Loved hanging with you on the way in. We probably could have carpooled. We live right by each other. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here
1: we are. Or Sheridan Uber or something oh, like that. We, so, we could have gone on the bike together, you we know. We could have rented the amount here. about miles you're putting on that. <laughs> I love it. Love it, buddy. We're glad to have Jason here. Jason's a local guy here in the Dallas area. Attended J.J. Pierce High School back in the day in Richardson, Texas. You have your own Wikipedia page. Did you know that?
3: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't even know what's on there.
1: <laughs> Woo! Man, he's, got, he's, he's 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 hot, this guy.
2: He, he, I'm sure the Mustangs love logo is on there too. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sure
1: it is right yeah, there. Yeah, that
3: nice red, white, and blue.
1: Yep, and and after high school, played a little tennis at Purdue University, a Boilermaker, right? That's right, Boiler Up. Boiler mm. Up. All right, you still go back to some of the, the uh, alumni events and that kind of stuff?
3: I try to. I haven't been in the last couple of years, but um, uh, I've probably been four or five times since I graduated and to see it. I mean, it's just amazing the amount, the facilities as just just change, not just with tennis but the whole campus is just so much money has gone in to just every department and, and how they're redoing everything and it's it's beautiful now it's it's amazing
1: it's amazing how, how things you know after we leave you know everything gets really nice you're like hey what happened you know what happened to my deal you know yeah. what happened to the good clothes all the you know the sweet swag you know now all of a sudden you know these guys get stuff they just assume that that's what way it was back in the day man we 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 were lucky just to get anything.
2: You know, I know Jason hasn't been back lately, but last time I saw you here at the late night tournament, you had a, a black jacket with some
3: old gold on it, right? A Purdue jacket? Or was yeah, it a or I think so. I try to I try to whip out my yeah, Purdue looked, gear every now and then. I mean, great when they got some football and basketball games yeah. and stuff. I mean, I'm always proud to wear that stuff. So, um, proud you know, Big really, Ten man.
1: So I'm going to say, other than Jason Marshall being uh, Purdue's number one you know favored son there's another one probably two that's in the nfl these days it's the number two favored son that would be a new orleans saints quarterback i think that attended uh Purdue University.
4: <laughs> oh we, yes
3: and th- drew played junior tennis yeah. almost your level not quite yeah well he he played super champs yeah. or yeah i mean he he stopped around 16 okay he kept like, rolling he, he was i mean actually we had a, we had a friend andy price um and he played Super Champs, and they would travel. He was from from Waco, and they would actually travel to a lot of the tournaments together. And I never really knew. I knew Andy very well. I knew his father very well, and his older brother Alan. But um,
1: so you played during the time Drew Brees was was playing around, actually. Yeah, they I, we're saying Drew. So we, we played. We knows. played. Yeah. yeah, Drew Brees.
3: Um, we didn't never. I never knew him. Um, as a tennis player, but in college I actually hit some tennis balls with him in, in college. He and came over or did you go over and see him? Or He, he just came over. It was actually right before he got drafted by the Chargers. Uh-huh. After wow. his season was done, he was still hanging around and he wanted to kind of just hit some balls. Just and stay fit, get a sweat. Exactly.
5: Yeah, and, and so he, he knew like, who
3: you were, and we were kind of we were, we were kind of like you know trying to say who who, who are you going to get drafted by you know and like hey who's calling you and it's like hey any chance to get for the Cowboys you know <laughs> come
4: down da- <laughs> come back down and I'll, Dallas, ne-
3: I'll, never, yeah. I'll never forget he kind of like gave me this look oh man I wish I could play for the Cowboys that would mm. be my number one choice you know he, and, and I think that's what he would lo- had loved but you know he's had a great career with you know oh. with New Orleans Hall like, of you Fame could, chewing, you could yeah yeah I mean he beat the odds of every of everything.
1: So, so other than uh, Jason Marshall being the favored son, Drew Brees takes <laughs> the second second option right, there, right there, right. Yeah,
2: Drew Drew still has those colors though at the in New Orleans, right? The black and black gold. and gold.
1: He, he never really changed. He, the, yes, did, did yeah. he? yes. And the gold's a little bit different, yeah, but yeah. you know, it's it's very similar. Yeah. Very, very similar. Uh, also, Jason did play on the pro tour for a little bit. So, you know, you were out there uh, hitting the ball around on the on the circuit. Were there any other boilermakers out there with you when you were around?
3: Um, actually, no, actually I was the only, only Purdue guy playing out there. There was a one or two, uh, Purdue girls playing out there. Jennifer Embry, Mm -hmm. who played a little bit out of Houston. Um, and she played for a bit, but yeah, I mean, I was really the only Purdue guy out there playing, um, you must, you must have had
2: a few college guys who also played in the big conferences like you did in nationals when you were out there.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, the Big Ten was, was strong with yeah. players. I mean, you had, I mean, obviously, Northwestern was great, Illinois, um, uh, you had Penn State, Iowa, uh, Indiana. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and a lot of the number one, number two players. I mean, Northwestern, I think, had three or four guys play pro. And uh, Illinois, Illinois had a, had a, quite a few, oh, too. Th- probably the most, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Were you there when, when Illinois won the the title? Were you there? It was just
3: after me. Okay. I think it was two thousand and three when they won it. it was you know amir delic brian wilson yeah, philip stolt uh, all those Ram. yeah they group. were
1: I mean, that was a tough team but they I wouldn't mean. have beaten you all so they wouldn't have been national champions so if they, <laughs> they were lucky that you already had left yeah they, yeah so they, <laughs> they, were they waited that one out yeah they did they said when's marshman leaving they so, said you okay, know <laughs> we, we, we can slide in after, like well, illinois, after illinois got us every
3: single time my four years we never seemed to ever beat them um, they either were just, either at
1: Purdue or either at uh, just Champagne. I guess. Yeah,
3: we never we, we we played them in the finals of my uh, 1999 in the um, my sophomore year. We played them in the finals of the Big Ten tournament mm-hmm. and we lost four two. and they just played. They just played fairly well and, and we just didn't have a chance. But I mean, they were always the team to beat. I mean and then all after I left a few years later then Ohio State started coming up and then they kind of they beat them they beat them at the tournament and ever since then it was kind of like okay now it's not Illinois dominating Ohio State's mm-hmm. kind of you know pulled in the mix here and you see what I mean Ty Tucker uh, the coach there he's done a you know amazing job because when I was at Purdue Ohio State probably wasn't even top 75 I mean, they were they were like one of the lowest teams, and now they're the big now Ten? they're in the big in, in the nation, and now they're yeah. not only the top team in the Big Ten, they're you know they're they're playing for national titles every year, yeah. they're top five every year. Ty
2: Tucker is is a unique personality and an intense guy, and I played juniors when he did. He was from I'll never forget his his. Uh, his hometown, Zanesville, Ohio. <laughs> so it was a big kind of a homecoming. It's a small suburb, right. and it's not like right in there.
1: What college is in Zanesville? I know there's a college there. There's got to be something.
2: Maybe there is, but certainly the home of one heck of a player and now one of the five or ten best College coaches, we know.
3: I remember Ty Tucker, maybe you know, several years ago. Remember they used to have the uh, boys' 18s national indoors at Brookhaven and a few mm-hmm. of the other places. Right here in Dallas. yes. And I, and I remember, uh, I remember Ty when he was. I was ball. I was scorekeeping when like he was when, I was when I was like nine or ten years old, and Ty was Ty was there, you know, playing in the 16s, 18s. Yeah, you 1984, know? 85, 86. When he was he, in maybe 16th, 86, 18th. 86. You know, like that was. Al Parker won it that year. Yep. John Boyd Al Parker, Jonathan Stark. Chris he, he was Garner, those years. Chris Garner was uh-huh. in the semis. Yeah, I remember those
1: years. Yeah,
4: mm-hmm.
1: it was fun having the boys eighteen indoors. I remember we were down at the University Club at the time when I was teaching down there. We always have Thanksgiving. It was always uh, the. The five and a half years there, so we're six years of boys, eighteen indoors at University Club. We were one of the satellite sites, so we had people walk through. and It was really interesting to see uh, see all all the the big names that were actually went on the you know went on to compete. Many of them did. Yeah. So did you did you play boys at eighteen indoors when it was in in Dallas? Then? I did. It was actually one of my uh, memorable tournaments. I mean, I
3: grew up as a scorekeeper. You know, just like oh my gosh, I can actually get on the court and sit on the benches with these guys and turn the scorecards. Yeah. Back then, it was mm-hmm. like you know. And, And mark the score, and then, um, you know, I I had a great. uh, I played it two years in a row, and uh, one of them was crazy. I actually uh, made it to the third round, the main draw. And guess who I played in the third round?
1: Ooh, okay. Let me see here. Let's think. I'll give you. I'll
3: give you. You guys know the name. He turned out being top ten in the world pro. Played Davis Cup. Alex Um, O'Brien. no, Andy Roddick. No, no, you're close. Andy, who Andy Roddick? Who's his kind of his? Who's the number two behind Roddick? About ten years ago. Oh, Marty Fish. No, no, no. James Blake. Yes, there James we go. Blake. So, <laughs> one year, one year, I played. Yeah, I played James Blake, and um, yeah, I knew his older brother Thomas. Uh-huh. I played him, I think, before, and but James was. I mean, I played James in like the fourteens in doubles and I beat him, but I knew he was, he was like, you know, he had a smooth game backhand, smooth big four backhand. Hand. He had the sideshow Bob hairdo too at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, the, he was a big I'm, Simpsons fan. He, <laughs> and I'll never forget. I, uh, I lost seven, six, six, four, um, playing him. And I walked off the court and said, man, I played about as well as I could play. I played, I played great tennis. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean and uh, I thought, my God, this guy could win the pro- tournament if he plays like this. And sure enough, he ended up beating Robert Kendrick oh, in Kendrick. the final. And, and it was best of five sets for the, for the, for the final. Oh, and yeah, they, they played it, it like out three, played, they played three Similar, out of five. Yeah. And Blake beat Kendrick in five sets. And then, so I went into the feed-in consolation and ended up winning the whole uh, back draw. So that mm-hmm. was, like, probably one of their four or five matches. Um, a lot of points for that. A lot so there, and, and so indoors was kind of always my, it was kind of, I always had a crappy Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that was that heart. was never my tournament. Uh, Clay Quartz I was okay at, but then I kind of made all my ranking points at the indoors. Mm-hmm. In, in, in the 16s, it was in Boston, um, and the 18s in Dallas, and that's where I, you know, Pretty much, kind of broke in. Probably the top fifty. I mean, I knew going in I was probably top hundred, but then, you know, having a lot of wins there and, and being able to play players from not in my section, mm-hmm. um, you know, and getting some of those different different wins helped a lot. And,
1: so and how, many, how many matches did you win that, that time when you won the consolation? I can't
3: really remember. I think I won about four or five. I think I might have gotten a walkover or two in there. Um, and then the year there was another year I played it as well, and um, I got sick. Uh, I got food poisoning, and it, and it was crazy. About about ten players in the tournament all got sick, mm. and uh, we had to we had to withdraw like in the middle of the tournament, like couldn't complete the tournament. And um, uh, I, I I just I'll never forget like uh, the Notre Dame coach now Ryan Satchery. Oh yeah, He and I played doubles together in that tournament.
2: Yeah, he played at Notre
3: Dame also. Yeah, 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 yeah. and we we lost and and we we knew we, we both kind of looked at each other, but after the match, I was kind of like not feeling very good, and he looked at me as was like i 'm not feeling good either and he was mm. actually staying at our house because he 's from ohio yeah and uh it was let 's just put it this way it was a pretty rough night when we got back, <laughs> and we were staying in the same room oh. it was a pretty rough it was a pretty rough night, one of those we'll never forget oh, but sorry. but it was it was just it wasn 't just us it was a lot of players, so it was unfortunate that you know that that it ended that way, but you know it I'll tell you what, I mean, um, it was great. When I when I played at that final year, um, I had already signed with Purdue. In in early November. So that tournament was over Thanksgiving. You so you were seventy or eighteen years old or yeah, just turned eighteen. So I right? so I was committed to Purdue, signed mm-hmm. to go there and uh, you know, a lot, a lot of times, you know, um, you know the, the indoors um, yeah, you have a lot of those college coaches coming in there and doing a lot of recruiting. You know, mm. sitting on those benches and stuff. And and uh, but I had just signed with Purdue, and the Purdue coach was there watching me and kind of just. Who was your coach? Tim add. Madden was his Tim name. Madden. Tim Madden. He played at Wisconsin. Um, had a great great career there, and he was the Purdue coach for many many years.
1: Yeah. So, did you have any other options besides Purdue? You know, did, were you thinking about okay, I'm weighing Purdue versus you know TCU or oh, I mean, I I, I want
3: or, I wanted to go to TCU, I wanted to go to SMU, I wanted, any
1: of the Texas schools, well, basically. Um,
3: and in Texas a And M, Tim Cass, the yep. coach back At then, that time. recruited me and brought me in on a visit, and you know, I think he wanted to redshirt me my first year and. I mean, I, I was kind of liked a And M. I loved my visit. I had a lot of friends going there, so that's why I was from here. Was yeah. from here. Um, a lot, of, a lot of Texas kids were going that I was friends with. But um, I was also recruited by Auburn. I went on, a, I went on a visit oh, there. SEC and, school, yeah, yeah. And I really, actually, Auburn was my was kind of like almost my second choice. It was actually my first going in. Mm. I had already gone to pr- Texas a And M first. It was okay. It was good. Then I went to Auburn a few weeks later. I liked it more. I just had a good feeling about Auburn. And then Purdue, okay, whatever. I didn't even return. I remember I didn't even return the phone call of the coach. He talked to me once. We had a good conversation, but I was kind of like, eh, Purdue, you know, where is that? You know, it's kind of cold in Indiana. (laughs) And then then he, he was expecting me to call him back like the following week. I didn't call him.
1: Do you want? Do you want? You want to feel
3: the guts and say hi? Sorry, <laughs> hey yeah, Tim. I d- hope is, you're listening. Tim, <laughs>
1: I, did, I didn't call him,
3: and I just. But then he called me back, and he's basically, like, "Hey, are you interested?" I didn't get mm. your call. And I'm like, "No, I'm interested." Well, he, hey, well, how about this? How about you just come up for a visit? Come with your dad, and see if you like it or not. And I'm, I took it up as an offer, and uh, went there, and mm. I just really felt like. I mean, I really loved all the guys on the team, and I had a great time there, and it was, I mean, academically, it was the best school, but it was also the best fit for my tennis. I mean, the coach said, hey, look, I mean, you know, I got a pretty good scholarship going in, uh, you know, an offer, and he was like, look, I think you can play, like, number three or four on our Mm -hmm. team the first year coming in. I really think you have that ability, versus the other schools, like Auburn, I mean, I was like, maybe I'll play six, you know, and I wasn't sure, you know, and then, Texas A&M, he wanted to redshirt me, and I was like, "That ah, I don't really like that idea. So that's just kind of like, I, I felt like I could go in and I could develop my game. I was very mm-hmm. serious about tennis and, and really wanted to, you know, I always wanted to be a professional player, mm-hmm. but I wanted to make sure that I could be in an environment where I could get the training and the matches. Even if I were playing, say, bad, you know, I would still maybe maybe go down the lineup, but still play and not worry about being bumped out of a lineup. Jason,
2: you clearly did well academically and with the tennis. Um, shifting our focus to the tour a little bit, I, I know there's a guy who who had a tearful retirement at Wimbledon. He's one of my favorites. Um, you know, maybe 10, 12 years before you were playing that level, I got to play a few satellites, and, and one of them was in Larnaca and Nicosia, uh, Cyprus, And I can't help but think that maybe Petros and Marcos Bagdadis were in the crowd, and I love this guy. And when he became a tour player, even when he was just playing some challengers, I thought, my goodness, what a beautiful game. He's a happy, wonderful guy, and there are probably only two or three times ever that I haven't rooted for Marcos in a match, and it's maybe when he was playing Jason Marshall. And Roger Federer, you
3: got to tell us a little bit about how you prepared you for that cry? match.
1: Did you make him cry? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I'll tell you this story. Well, yeah, it was, it was 2005. Uh-huh. It was probably late September in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, mm. and that's uh, a real tennis mecca. Yeah, yeah. And and so how did I? You know how to how would I just pick to go to Vietnam to play a tournament? Yeah. Well, I was actually playing a lot more doubles at the time, and my doubles ranking uh, got me in the tournament. The folks at
2: home need to know, uh, left-handed serve, absolutely otherworldly double-handed backhand return on this guy, Jason Marshall. (laughs) So this translates well to indoor tennis, really any surface, but certainly doubles too.
3: Yeah, and, um, you know, so um, I played that, I remember it was 2005, and 2005 uh, was a good year for me, well, good and bad, I got injured at the end of the year, but... Mm. um, it was a year I had a lot of matches going into that. I played like a month in Mexico and played um, played like four futures. I won a future, made a couple, made a finals or a couple semis, and so I had come. I had went into that that ATP event really being you know winning a lot of matches and really feeling really confident about my game on the single side of it. And then I played a couple of challengers and, and, and I qualified. Won the few rounds, qualified mm. in a challenger, won three rounds, beat some good players. So I was really when I went to Vietnam, I. I mean, I felt great about my game going in. I'd had a lot, of, a lot of match play, and um, it was just one of those things where you know, when you're playing, when you're playing well, and you're, you, know, you, you just, you're not really trying to focus too much about who you're playing. You're just, you know, you realize everybody at that level's going to be a really good player, and, and no matter what, and, no matter where you're playing. So, and
2: folks may or may not know, Marcos was number one junior in the ITF yes. before he ran up against yes. you, yeah.
3: And I think at that time maybe he was around sixty or seventy in the world. In the world, when I played. Yep. Just missed the cut. Actually, he didn't just miss the cutoff. He he in, he didn't enter on time. I see. So he was a number one seed in quality In qualities. And had to Qualify. But uh, no, I mean I, I was obviously I was just basically a little nervous. I mean I got mm. down two zero right away uh-huh. and found a way to hold my serve um, to go two down two one and then. I kind of just caught fire. I was yeah. really everything was very short points. It was just serve or turn a couple of shots here. You know, it was just fat. It was, it wasn't a hard. It was indoors, but it wasn't a hard court. It was almost like a laid down uh, kind of a um, carpet, huh? Kind of a not a carpet, but Whoa. kind of like a, a laid down rubber type of surface. I see. Almost like a rubber, rubbery surface. Right. So it was it was pretty quick, and you, there's no way you could play long rallies on that court. Mm-hmm. And um I mean, I did a little homework. I mean, Max Fabiani was my coach at the time. One of Good old our Max, right very here, very best Daddy friends, and yeah, Dallas I mean, guy. It, and I was really like, okay, I call up Max, and I mean, he's Mr. Homework guy. I mean, he he does he his research. He's a well research. prepared coach. Yeah, he, he does. And I and I'm like, you know, I'll I'll call up Max and say, look, I haven't seen Baghdadis really play. I didn't really I knew of his ranking, but I didn't know his game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I wanted him to do a little homework on tell me, like, you know, is there anything you can find on some matches or YouTube and, and see if you can find some things to help me out on how to play this guy. And he gave me a good, you know, basically, Bagdadis was known. Okay, very good returns. Yeah. um, Very good backhand cross court. Yes. Um, two-handed.
2: Yeah, excellent You know,
3: backhand. a good zone hitter in the forehand, but if you jam him inside on the serve. On the forehand side or in the backhand side, he he doesn't really return very well. And if you get him running off the court on the forehand side, he's not that strong with his forehand. You just don't want to give him forehands to the middle of the court where Inside he's set out. Yeah. And so the whole the plan of the whole match was really jam him on every serve and try to try to pull him on the next ball where he's running across the court hitting the forehand. Don't let this guy like hit you know. You know, get in the groove, hitting where he wants to hit, and don't mm-hmm. give him like backhands on the wing because he's gonna mm-hmm. just—he's gonna eat you. You're not gonna win those points. And he's—he's
2: so, he's always tough to read, down line, cross court. He was always, yeah, you know, well disguised player. Yeah,
1: I think he had one—one one other fact he was known for really, really well. He had a good looking yeah. girlfriend. Oh, Camille Navier. <laughs> well, was he, I was don't think traveling. I with don't him? think she was there when I when oh. I was there. The French, <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, she, it was, might, she might have come over to your camp then. She goes, oh, well, Mar- you beat Marcos. <laughs> well, yeah, I better, go over to J- I better hitch my wagon with, with Jason <laughs> Marcos. Who's right? the tall lefty? Yeah, yeah. the American, yeah. Well, I hope. It wasn't too many people we, we, watching we. that
3: match, you know. I, I, <laughs> I definitely could probably count them on my finger. There was two courts. It was, it was in a big stadium, mm-hmm. and it was a big center court that, you know, that you could easily fit thousands, and then kind of like a, a B court. You know that that was kind of probably a third of that amount, mm-hmm. and I mean it was this was qualifying. There wasn't really anybody there. I, I'll never forget. Like this was kind of at a by a. It was kind of like not far away from a school, and you know it's Vietnam. It's, you see some things you just don't see every day. Like I saw a hundred students coming out of school playing badminton. And you're like, you would never find that in America. A hundred kids, you know, on a whole field, you'd see them like all on a playground. Yeah, yeah. They were out there you'd see them playing yeah. soccer and doing baseball. But this was like a hundred kids playing badminton after school and setting up the nets. And and I'm like, wow, this is this is just crazy, you know. So, uh, but there was more pe- more kids playing badminton than <laughs> watching tennis. <laughs> At an ATP event. Are there right. more
1: people at this podcast that we're watching <laughs> no. There are four of us. Yeah. You could count everybody in the crowd and wave and say hi? Yeah, yeah. No, I doubt that. But, I mean, sure, I'm sure there's some officials and yeah. people are there. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a few people in the booth. Did you have your posse with you? Did you travel with a posse?
3: No. When I went there, it was, man, it was just by myself. <laughs> I'm just know? trying to cover you, my... yourself, and I, huh? Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to cover my flight and, you know, make enough prize money to keep going. You know, at that event, yeah, you make... I mean, I probably made... Two thousand dollars, but I mean bare minimum. I mean they pay for the great thing about ATP events; they pay for your hotel. You don't pay much food, but I mean obviously it's probably a fifteen hundred dollars flight to get there, and you got to get a visa there. So it's like it takes like three weeks to get that. It's not going to Vietnam is not easy. How did
1: you choose Vietnam? I mean that's not what I call a real tennis. It's just I never even knew there was a. It's just where the tournaments
3: are. You know, like when the ATP has the calendar out, you kind of look and you kind of see where where places that I could play, where it might be a little bit weaker. You know, and
2: Th- that tournament would now be considered a 250.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It would be no. back then. They didn't have that. They didn't categorize those like, 250, 500 yeah. Masters. It was it was um, International Series or World. I think it was I think it was like, yeah, they called it something like that. But that would have been equivalent to a to 250. Gotcha. And they had a I mean, I think they brought in a paid a couple big players to come in there and play. I mean, I think Puerta, Mariano, oh, Puerta. Puerta came there that year that he made uh, yeah. I mean, he was still a top ten, top twenty player. So he was there. So, I mean, obviously, you think of him, and you think more of a clay court player. But I
2: mean, finals of the French. But you know, uh, pretty yeah. darn good.
3: But he was he was there, and they had a couple other um, a couple other players. Juan Carlos Ferrero was at that tournament. Oh, mm-hmm. The king? former number one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> he's not the king
1: anymore. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. sorry, Juan Carlos. But yeah, you, you ain't the king. So yeah. there is another king. But yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good test. But it was
3: it was good, yeah. you know, like it was it was uh you know like I mentioned earlier it was kind of one of my my best years but worst years. So um I'll never forget. Uh, so 3 months later, you know, in in January, I'm uh you know, I got injured and here I saw him on TV, you know, winning all, beating all these players and and making it to the finals and I was like oh
4: my god you're talking I, about the australian I, I, open I, I, yeah, yeah I,
3: a- I could be there i mean no probably yeah. you know i mean that's a long shot yeah. i never would have even gotten in but it was like you know here i am like i've got a bad knee it's hurting me you know i'm, I'm just kind of sitting around watching these guys play but i'm watching a guy that you know you just I, I,
1: I i beat and i'm like did you beat him in straight sets did you six end? two six two yeah six two and two yeah after
2: after that's- being down love two.
1: Yeah, <laughs> wow! Twelve out of the next fourteen games.
3: Yeah, and I, I, I played. I, you know, it's one of those things where you know I played well, but you know, when you're when you're you know, as a, as a pro player, you're always looking what could I have done better. You know, like how how can I improve to get better and better for the next match. Mm. And I kind of walked off the court thinking, you know, I played I played well, but but okay, I could have maybe moved a little better, or I could have maybe handled a couple of volleys differently or short balls. So it's one of those things where you don't want to get too 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 high on the wins that you have because it's always you know it's it's you know you can enjoy it for maybe a couple hours but then it's you know next day you gotta you know the next day I lost to go soeta from mm-hmm. Japan and you're like how you know everyone's like, how'd you do how'd you lose to him? You just beat mm-hmm. Baghdadis. So a lot of the times you just can't get caught up in, in big wins too yeah. much. You just kinda have to like, you know you know, see what you can do better for the next
1: match and next match, and and you know, Maybe n- thirty minutes go celebrate and go, yeah, yeah, <laughs> kick ass, I kick butt, man, and then I'm pretty good. Now all of a sudden, okay, I gotta, yeah. can't yeah. do that anymore. It, it, it's crazy.
3: Like it's really, it's it. That was one of the that was one of an example of matchups. So people think, well, okay, well, this guy's ranked higher. He just must be much better than this guy who's ranked a lot lower than him. But really, Baghdadis was it was a guy that I matched up well against. And Gustavito was not because he changes direction of the ball extremely well. Like I'm hitting the ball cross court really well, and he's always playing. He's always catching the ball late, playing up the line, and doing a really good job of it over the high part of the net. You always teach, okay, lift the ball, drive it, but play more cross court. until mm-hmm. well, he's changing directions of the ball every shot.
2: And I've seen tougher. His, I've seen his forehand, and and that probably matches up well. He's a you're a left-hander. He's
3: a flat ball hitter. Yep. but but he does it, and he and he can hold it to the last minute. So that was not, you know, my 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 probably my biggest weakness on tour was I wasn't the fastest mover. You know, that's probably why I had better success in doubles than singles, and that was a type of player where if you're going to beat that type of player. You can do it, but you know you're going to be probably putting in a lot more mileage on the court than him, and having hit a lot of
0: forehands mm-hmm. on the run mm-hmm. with yeah. his forehand. Down and I played line him twice.
3: I played him in Vancouver, Canada, uh-huh. uh, as well, and uh, you know it was the same kind of it was the same same same, match? same type of match. I mean, I knew going in. Like, I mean, I mean, when I played him in in, in Vietnam, I didn't play quite as well, but I, I played him in uh, in Canada, and I felt like I played really well against him, and still lost. But was that
2: indoors or outdoors no? That was at out, Stanley Park. That was
3: uh, that was um, at the Odlin Brown tournament okay. in in uh, July, mm-hmm. um, or beginning of August. They still have that challenger. It's one of the few challengers yeah. still still going. Obviously Dallas, um, Vancouver, Aptos, Lexington, Aptos, Northern Cal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so but but Vancouver was it's one of my favorite challengers that mm-hmm. I played. And uh, everyone loves playing that because it's Vancouver. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. A, it's a beautiful city, and it's it's, it's 70. sea level, but there's snow up there, and it's seventy down here. It's, it's seventy five yeah. degrees in August, and you're like, oh, gorgeous! Yeah, so place. much better than being in Texas. Yeah, <laughs> really. I like, I like the like heat, man. I, I like heat.
1: I'm, I'm a really heat heat person. So, also too, you, you won a tournament in Tijuana. I did. Well. Yeah. yes. Well, wow, was that fun? Was that kind of interesting? That
3: was. Well, you know, that was just. Um, I'd come out. That was a a four week uh, Mexican series. Uh, It wasn't a satellite, but it was four futures. So that was the uh, third week of that. So it was Comitán, which was um, closer to Guatemala, and then the second week was in Monterrey, Mexico. The third, the third was in Tijuana, and the fourth Mm -hmm. was in Puerto Vallarta. And I, the week before Tijuana, I had played Monterrey and made semis, so I was starting to pick up my game, feeling a little bit better. And uh, I'll never forget, Tijuana was just a special memory there. Um, um, I was main draw, and uh, I'll tell you, for a future, boy, I have not seen so many fans there. It was crazy the amount of people that were there. More oh, than locals the, the, or the San Diegans? Lo- all locals. Locals. A, cl- a club called Club Britannia, mm-hmm. and uh, a very nice part of that's actually a chain. And, they have several mm-hmm. all over
2: the, the whole and, country. And it
3: was, I, it was a very memorable tournament for me. Not not so much for winning the tournament. I mean, there was it was it was an amazing final. When there was probably a thousand people in the final. That's I mean, you really? never see that for a future. Yeah.
1: But it was um, you,
2: you. You maybe see that for a challenger. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand.
1: And um, so there would have been more yeah. fans in Ho Chi Minh City, for the <laughs> wow, cl-
3: yeah, and they were these. Uh, so so it was the quarters mm. final match, the quarterfinals. I play a night match, and lights good. The lights are good. Okay, I mean, and the, you know Corona's the sponsor. You know, like mm-hmm. they like they oh, they, they yeah. like
1: to drink There's up some and cervezas have a good. Going on, they now.
3: have some cervezas going on, and you won't believe who I'm playing. It's a guy named uh, Alejandro Hernandez. Uh-huh. He played Davis Cup for Mexico. He had just retired, but he's from Tijuana. He was the best Mexican tennis player to play probably like since Leonardo Lavalle.
2: Yeah, uh, and 80s. he was the
3: best the best guy yeah, to come 80s. out of Mexico and he's a hometown favorite. All of the 90s and 2000s, yeah. he was by far the best player. And so like, oh man, I'm playing I'm playing the, local the best the best Mexican player in the last 15-20 years. In his hometown, probably his home club, and every single person cheering against me.
2: Everybody, and, like, <laughs> and my couple of American
3: yeah. friends were like, "Good luck, Jason. You'll yeah. get, you'll Go get Jason, you got Jason.
2: You felt like
3: Djokovic <laughs> yes. in the Wimbledon final two, a week and a half ago." <laughs> and so, you know, it was a three-set match. I was very—I lost the first set. I was oh. so nervous, but then, you know, I just grinded out. It was humid there, and I grinded out and, and, and ended up winning the match. And there was probably there was probably only two or three people cheering for me, and that was the other American tennis players <laughs> that were there with me. And everybody else was just cheering whenever time I made a mistake, and I just tried uh, to block that out. Your and, fault,
1: and they'd all be clapping and heavy yeah.
3: Heavy. And I ended up just having a a, a great tournament, and uh, um, I made finals of doubles in that tournament as well. And uh, it was just a it was just a great tournament, just because of winning it, but also the amount of fans that were there. The ball, I have I have this one photo I still keep. Um, of me holding the trophy, but there was probably about 20 ball kids around me like, kind of like wanting in the photo. And it's Excellent. like one of those kind of photos where it's just like, oh, yeah. And, and the trophy is still one of my favorite trophies. Um, it's one of those crystal trophies, and it actually is a two-part trophy where it's got a, like a ball mm-hmm. next to like, almost like a pyramid. And on the top of the pyramid, they actually, they actually put a ball where you can actually rest it on top. And I got That's pretty I got nice yeah and I got two one for winning doubles and one for oh, winning singles and one for finals, finals and doubles of but dubs, the trophies yeah. was like I mean definitely probably one of my top five or six favorite trophies just in terms of like this is so unique just you know? the look yeah just the look That's of fantastic. the trophies. so it was it, it, it was great and and that really and that was obviously right before I went to Vietnam that summer um, so you're playing some good ball at so that I, point. So, yeah. I, so yeah and then the week after that I played Puerto Vallarta I lost in the semis there um, but it was. You know, three weeks there was really, really high level tennis. I was really feeling my game. I was very fit and confident. I I loved your take,
2: and I I made a quick reference to uh, connecting with a few young people at a tournament or two that I played. But you connected with a Wimbledon champ who was a ball kid when you were a player in uh, Bogota, Colombia.
4: Tell yeah, us about I'll it, man. T- I'll tell I've you seen that the you, probably, you probably
3: saw that on Facebook. I love the photo. I, I, I've, saved, I've saved this uh, for a long time, yeah. kind of waiting for the right moment to bust this out. And I think I have over 280 likes on Facebook. I'm so
2: glad you did. All within
3: was- probably a two or three day span. I'm like, I didn't even know I had that many people like. They even paid attention to my post because I don't really write a lot on Facebook. But yeah, Robert Farah and. Um, uh, Juan Sebastián Cabal, Cabal yeah. the two Colombians won the Wimbledon doubles final, and it was probably, five sets. Fantastic! And it, and it was one of the most amazing finals, like doubles matches you will ever witness, and I'll never forget. Like I was in Bogota, and it was 2002 or 2003. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to, out of college. I wanted to travel to a few different places, kind of play tennis, but also see a little bit of the world. And uh, I ended up playing one tournament in Bogota and then went to Venezuela for two after that just to kind of, you know, see some new places. And uh, Bogota, I mean, it's, uh, it's in the mountains. It's like, it's like 8,600 feet altitude. So, wow. I've, so it's the highest place I've ever been in the world in mm-hmm. altitude. And playing tennis playing tennis i'll never forget i got there and the next day i had one of those like little uh, heart rate monitors you wear over your chest and those watches that kind of is is synced to it i'll never forget i was hitting up the middle with this guy i wasn't even moving and i was looking at my heart rate monitor and it was 192 wow and i was like beats a minute <laughs> and, and i wasn't even moving imagine you're standing in the middle but you're getting a rally going because it's the and i was like oh my god this is this is, you know, I could die, <laughs> and, 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 and I, like I better stop. And I was kind of, I wasn't used to it, so I got there about three days early to kind of. But, but that kind of altitude, you need like two or three weeks to play it there. I mean, it, it, the ball just flies. They don't play with in Mexico. They play with pressureless balls. Those, those in high Bogota, altitude, yeah. they don't play with pressureless balls. Normal, so the, so the ball just flies. I mean, you right. can you can like hit a ball straight to the fence and feel like you hit it well.
2: I mean, in a way, advantage yeah. Jason Marshall because your returns. <laughs> like, you can handle people. Uh, I-, I love serving in altitude. Yeah. I don't re- I love returning in
3: altitude. You but, probably um, love it. Yeah, but anyway, so, so. anyways, I'm playing a match and uh, I get off the court. I can't even remember if I won or lost. I mean, but, um, I mean, there's tons of ball kids there. And uh, you know how the ball kids are they want your autographs. Of and they want you to sign this, sign that, and they want a photo. Well, There was one of the ball kids. He didn't want any of that. He didn't want to like play with me. He's he like, wanted to rally. The rest of the kids were like about the autographs yeah. and the photos, swag, and and balls and, and, whatever. And Robert was like, "Hey, you want to hit some balls?" And I thought, "Well, that's okay, you know. Like I've, you know, like hey, more power to you because mm-hmm. I saw him at a couple of days there. Like he was playing in like their junior academy there, like three or four hours a day. You, you could tell like this was, I mean." I don't know if he was the best player, but he was certainly, like, putting in the most hours. And you could tell, like, this kid loved tennis. He went from, like, playing three or four hours and, like, oh, they're calling you for a match. you got to yeah. go on the court and ball boy. And then after that, he'd go back to the court and go practice more. And I kind of knew, like, there's I something mean, special about that I, kid. Obviously, you don't know, like, where his level will ever be, but you know, man, that kid loves tennis. And uh, after, after I played with him, I, I said, you know, hey, you mind if I get, you know, a photo with you? And it was back, you know. There was wow. the, there wasn't the i, I there wasn't the iPhones. You're doing it with yeah. those little cameras that you know little Kodak cameras, little yeah. Kodak cameras that you take the Eckerds after <laughs> and you like get developed. <laughs> I remember that. It was
2: a 35 millimeter. <laughs> yeah. it, yeah. uh, it was a film. Yeah.
3: It was a film. Point and shoot. Yeah. yeah. And and, 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 uh, <laughs> and then and I always like I kind of knew like after after you know several years later when he, he Robert Farrow went and played at USC for yep. Peter Smith. Yep. And that's the same kid, you know. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a kid that's, you know, remember seven, that eight years. Like, yeah, and is. and uh, um, you, you know, I, I mean, he was a great player. I mean, he re- his returns are just incredible, both sides, ad court returner.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, but you know, out of college at a USC, I remember. Uh, you know, he played. He maybe won a challenger, a couple of challengers. He probably could have gotten maybe to about 100 to 200 but i think you know he just like i think he had some wrist problems and he was like i think i can go further in doubles and dubs yeah and, and and what he and Cabal have done like i mean they made pretty, the masters they they made the end of year masters like the last couple of years but when they won the uh when they won wimbledon I mean, that's just a whole different ballgame. You don't see that happen with Colombians, you know. Like that's, I mean, there are very, very few Colombian players that have been probably even top hundred. There's probably only been, gosh, I mean, at least since I've been maybe five or six players, you know, that have played from from Colombia, and they were all, you know, they were good, but not like Wimbledon champion level. The
1: Behar brothers.
3: The Behar brothers, Alex (laughs) Behar, (laughs) Alex, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, but um, I, I knew that that they, they were from Colombia. It was know, a fun were. thing to good, share. But they're not like say, yeah, Robert Farr, is, is Yeah,
3: a, yeah, it was a it was just fun to share that moment where you know I saw a kid that you know it, it just kind of gave every kid out there hope. Like you can be a ball boy, and if you have passion for the sport, you know, and you love it enough, and you know, lots of other factors there, but you can one one day maybe hold up that Wimbledon trophy too. And Remarkable. it was just, you know, it, it, it was like, wow, that is a one in a, you know, one in four billion chance that that will probably happen. But, you know, it was that one. And it's kind of crazy how you, you know, how it's, you see these things and and it's just, you know, one of those stories that you're like, wow, you know, I, you you only hear about those stories and, you know, coincidentally come upon them, you know, yeah. and... Well, I'm,
2: I'm so glad you held on to that photo off that little 35-millimeter <laughs> camera. That's fantastic. Well yeah. done, Jason. Yeah. Thank you very much. We're
1: in our first set talking with uh, noted uh, Dallas tennis professional Jason Marshall. He's uh, kind enough to uh, sit at the net with us yeah. for a, f- a few moments. and Absolutely. so We're, we're appreciating uh, that opportunity to spend a little time with uh, those who are just coming in uh, with the Marshman. Also, you played. Hey, you had some really good results in doubles. Boy, you, you knocked out five <laughs> titles, didn't you? Yeah, five challenger titles.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of funny in my in my career. Like, I could never seem to win the futures. But, but enough to make enough points to get up into the bigger tournaments. But I seem to always like
1: get the oh, cha- I'm winning challengers, but then I go to a future and lose. <laughs> uh-huh.
4: <laughs> that
1: doesn't make sense, you know. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, but you've had some, some really nice results. You played with uh, Bruno Suarez. that which you that was pretty fun, wasn't Brazilian it?
2: Brazilian player. Absolutely. Yes.
1: Yeah. He's Br- still playing. Bruno and Br-
3: Bruno's been in a number like top five in the world player. Um, it was kind of funny. Bruno and I were a one-week uh, hit wonder. You know, we we never played again after that. We he- played at Forest Hills, New York. And I'll never forget. It was the first guy I'd ever played doubles with, where he served and stayed back on on every serve. And back then, now you see that everywhere. But yeah.
1: like, but like back then, 2004. So this would be 2004.
3: 2004. You didn't really see that. Everyone, I mean, everyone kind of came to the came to the net and played serve that volley, first volley. Charge. Yep.
1: But I'll never forget.
3: Like he was so fast, he was just serving and hitting forehands. And we were playing some good teams, but. I mean, he had great volleys too, but he didn't really have to use them that much. He would just whale forehands, and did I mean, you, did I mean, you try to get him to come to the net, or eventually he just said he never no, missed. You're, you're
1: good. Okay, stay back.
3: Hey, whatever we whatever wins wins. However it looks, I don't care. <laughs> but he was. I mean, I felt like man, this he was. He played the ad court. I played the deuce court. But he was just such a. He had strong returns, strong volleys. I mean, he, he kind of just rolled his serve in, but, I mean, he never missed. I felt like the guy was always playing, like, perfect tennis. And, I mean, it just shows, like, what, look the career he has had is just unbelievable. It's remarkable. You know? and,
2: and even about a week and a half ago, he and Nicole Malachar of the U.S. played mixed, and they were top seeds at Wimbledon. Wow. And they are the team that knocked out uh, one Serena Williams – and Andy Murray,
1: uh, no, you, you got to say, Andy, you got to use your, your voice. Is, uh, uh, is, where's Andy? Uh, Jason, yeah, it's great.
2: Um, Bruno was a very difficult opponent. I, uh, what I'm most proud of is that uh, we gave them a match, and um, they he and Nicole did lose the next day, and I believe it was partially because of Serena's power. Uh, I don't think his quickness matched up very well uh, to her power, but m- I'm going to take most of the credit because um, I believe my <laughs> monotone voice did put them to sleep. They be- they won the match with us, but about 24 hours later, they were they were toast. You know, so did, it's, it's, did
3: did Judy get shame. mad? By, by the you? way, I had my eyes closed the whole time I was hearing that. I was just trying to envision it.
1: That's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> very good. <laughs> So you didn't know that you're going to come in here, and see. you no, thought we were just going to be really just, good. just some uh, couple of questions, couple of just uh, you know,
4: eh, you know, yeah. these guys
1: might be okay, they might not be okay. So you're going to be entertained here at the net <laughs> with Andy Murray. Ah,
5: and, and uh, Andy, uh, thanks for making
2: it, uh, Craig. Thanks for having me.
1: Yes, you're, you're very welcome. But I'm sure that was fun uh, playing with Bruno. It is what's yeah. the, what's the most mem- okay? most memorable place you played at, you know, as far as uh, favorite place? What a fun question, Craig, yeah. yeah. Favorite, memorable? There's two, there's two that, well, probably three. Um,
3: obviously, uh, you, you know, Tijuana, obviously, it's crazy, probably my most memorable match was the match was randomly a quarterfinal match in a fifteen thousand future,
4: mm-hmm.
3: where I was playing Hernandez in front of a thousand people against me, right. and that was actually probably one of my most memorable matches. That's
2: fantastic. I mean, that I mean, where embraced. it was just like,
3: wow, this is you know, I'm surrounded three sixty by like rows of people everywhere, and um, there was obviously playing Wimbledon, of course, just because of uh, I played Qualies there twice and. It was just kind of one of the just kind of like, hey, I'm I'm on the grass. Yeah. I'm playing Wimbledon. You got, you got the players' badge and everything. you
1: got to go. Got go the player.
3: Lo- I barely made it in the tournament, but I, I made it. You know,
1: <laughs> they gave you the badge yeah. and, and you got to walk in yeah. the locker room, kind of look around, and
3: and uh, you know, I played it twice and. Uh, you know, both years I had match points the first round of qualifying, and I lost both matches. Ugh. One year I choked it, and I choked it badly. And I had like seven or eight match points, but I think maybe two match points I had chances. Mm. And the other year we had a lot of match points, but I actually never really had could say I had a chance really to even return a serve. Or, it was just kind of like, okay, you've matched point, but they're playing too good. Um but uh, and then the other the, the other place was in Thailand. I played um, I played on played an ATP event there. It was like a million dollar event there, and I played mm-hmm. Ivan Lubicic and Mario Ancic there first round in doubles.
2: Two absolutely huge serving yes. Croatians.
3: And and it was probably about five thousand people there. Yep. I mean, they're a pretty quiet crowd though. I mean, it was it was it was a lot of people. It was a night match, um, and I was playing. With, I, I flew there. I got in last minute. I'll never forget. I found out on Saturday night. I got in. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna go to Thailand just to like see if I could get in. I wanted to make sure. So I call on the phone. You know, it's like you know, twelve hour time difference, and I ended up. You know, because like, cause like it was either there was, was either go to Austin and play a fifty thousand dollar challenger, was it Austin? Maybe it was, yeah, maybe Austin, or it was get into a million dollar event, but fly to Thailand and you have to get there in two days and play. And I was That's like, a good question, and I, and I was like, "Well, Austin's the easy one, but you know, you got you got to move up. You know, you gotta you, you gotta take chances like hey, this. You gotta, you like you gotta this. shoot for it, yeah. yeah." So I ended up getting in with this player, Ivan Miranda. He played mm-hmm. for Peru. But he wasn't really much of a doubles player. I got in. I just somehow made the draw, and then five six hours later, that next morning, I I just went on the internet. I bought a flight to Thailand. Boom right there and, and got on the plane that next day flew to Thailand got got there like Sunday night or something or Monday jet lag yeah, but you know what you don't even worry about that a tennis no. court's a tennis court when you get there, you don't you don't know where you are. you're Come just you're on. just you're Let's just you're just focusing on the court and uh I, that's when I then found out who I played mm-hmm. you know I was like, oh okay, that's a tough one. welcome to the well, you know to the real world huh? you know and i'll I'll just never forget like they I mean. We had no chance. We lost like two and three, or three and I can't remember. It was like two and two. We never even got into the match. We had no chance. I mean, Lubichich's returns on the ad court were just. I mean, you know, one hander, (laughs) uh, good extreme grip and a big hitter. You just his one hander. He never missed it. Yeah. I mean, Ančić seemed to have perfect volleys. He never missed one volley, and Lubicec probably aced me half the time. I never even touched his serve, and it was just one of those matches where it's like this levels I'm not at this level mm-hmm. there's no was way it clay
1: court hard no, court in, it was
3: kind of like it, it was uh, it was indoor yeah it was um it was hard but it was like it was like pl- laid down plywood so like it was blocked. kind of like they have for Davis Cup I think a lot you know when they have indoor it's not really a hard court it's like it's like plywood painted it over uh, to look like a court,
1: yeah, it's those. It's, it's blocks. Four,
3: uh, it's blocks. Yeah, it's, it's four like,
2: like four by eight sheets. It's like
3: four by eight sheets yep. of block. Like they puzzle piece it together, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of. And it was. I'll just remember. It was so slow. Like it. It felt like sandpaper. Slow, really? It, it, no, yeah. Uh, well, they painted. They painted the court when they surfaced. Once they, they once put they, a
2: grit on it. It's not they, like a basketball. They word, put, right? They yeah. put
3: a grit on that on that surface. That was probably still one of the slowest courts I've ever seen. It was like some like if you. It was. It was like. You know, you could sandpaper.
1: Wear, you could wear a pair of shoes out of match. You would you wear your
3: pa- your shoes in a match, and it was just one of those things. You could probably file your calluses down <laughs> with that court. You know, barefoot, <laughs> barefoot. And I mean, yeah, but it was a great experience. And just you know, I flew all the way there. I lost first round, but. It doesn't matter, just the experience, and I played in front of a lot of people. So That's sometimes, yeah. sometimes there've been some amazing wins, and sometimes they're just lo- you know losses where you know you're, the match didn't even go an hour and you lo- lose, but you still remember. Or you have match points in Wimbledon and lose, but it kind of had all three. One where you win, and ama- you know you have all three kind of si- spectrums of it.
1: Um, but you know they are all like all special in, in their own way. You know. So after after the tour, kind of what you what you do? I know we. I know what, kind of what you did, but what did what you do kind of after the tour after you decided? You know, the knee hurt probably a little too much. Yeah, it, well, it, I
3: was, yeah, I mean, the knee got better, but then the shoulder was having, I mean, I, I just, my body was starting to fall apart. I, I was noticing I couldn't even serve. Like, I would serve a match and then, like, oh, man, I got to ice my shoulder. It's hurting me. And it just became time where I, I just couldn't, I couldn't practice enough anymore to, like, put into improve. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, like, I wanted to keep playing until, like, I-, I knew, like, my body couldn't do it. And I knew, like, 2007, my shoulder couldn't take it. My knee was fragile. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was kind of one of those things where I did it for so long. I think I didn't, you know, for for a while, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. It was just kind of like, well, you know, I can always go and coach and teach tennis. I can always do that. Mm-hmm. But um, what I actually did, you know, crazy enough is um, – I thought, well, what if I didn't want to do that? Well, what else could I do? And uh, I actually uh, had a job offer from AT and T to go into sales. It was actually there was a member of the club. You remember the AT and T Challenger, sure, you know, sure, M? Yep. Well, Jose Gutierrez, he was the CEO, regional CEO for AT and T. I was hitting tennis balls with him at M, and basically, he's like, "Hey, I can help you at AT and T. It's a great place to work. You know, I can. I'll put you in touch with my HR and." Hey, we'll we'll get you a job. You'll 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 like it here. And so I went on an interview, they offered me the job and, and and I job shadowed it. I I wanted to like I wanted to kind of spend a whole day and I wanted to shadow what I would do and it was a sale inside sales job. And after I looked at what they were doing, I was like, This isn't for me. Mm-hmm. This is I would I wouldn't last at this job very long. And it was at that moment where I like had that experience, it was like, wow. I really love tennis even more. I want even stay,
2: just eight hours. I want I want
3: In a cube, just yeah. calling people all day. I was like, you know what? I think that that going the coaching route and it made me appreciate tennis more. Like when I like was seeing it from like what 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 else could I could I do? And it was like, well, I just didn't. I just didn't know what it was. I had to see. I had to go on an interview and see for myself and shadow the job to know. Yeah, I just that wasn't for me. So I got into
2: coaching. Um, Wonderful career as a women's college coach at TCU yeah. and then head women's college coach at Georgia State, the Panthers.
3: Absolutely. Um,
2: what can you tell us about those?
3: Yeah, I mean, I started in uh, at, at TCU in, uh I believe, 2008, and I was the men's assistant coach there for two years. I mean, I was just... Um, you know, my dad went to TCU. I grew up going to, going to TCU football games when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So, um, I always really loved TCU. And, and when that job opened, uh, I, luckily enough, just the assistant coach to be able to break my way into college tennis, that's a pretty, pretty good job. And, um, and then we coached them in there for two years. We actually won the conference, uh, Mountain West conference my second year there. And then, um, um, the you job, l- came, you
2: learned a lot from your head. Yeah, coach, I'm Dave sure. Morelli, Yeah. Dave Barelli, And
3: uh, then he, Dave, you know, the, the women's job, um, opened up and Dave had been the coach there, the women before. And he was like, well, Hey Jason, I, I, they're going to let me be the women's head coach. Do you want to, do, do you want to follow me and be my assistant with the women? And I kind of had to think about it for a, a minute. I was like, well, all I really know is men's men's tennis, you know, and, and I hadn't really coached a lot of females. And, I was like, well, I don't really know. Like, Would you be able to help me? This would be a learning, a really new experience for me doing this. But I ended up following him, and I was the women's coach uh, assistant with him for four years there. And then, uh, uh, yeah, in 2014, um, I applied and got the head coaching job at Georgia State as a head coach. So I stayed stayed in women's tennis Mm -hmm. after that for, gosh, another four years. So eight years, two years of men's and, and eight years of women's
1: tennis. Mm-hmm. One, do you have preference? Did you like the women? Did you like being head coach, or did you like being...
3: It's kind of pros and cons of both sides. I would say, match day on match day, I liked women's tennis more because I true. felt because I felt like in women's tennis, the coach could play a big factor in in like changing strategy or like you know on a changeover, you can do a lot more as a women's a women's coach. There's a lot of things that women, they, a lot of them don't volley that well, or maybe they get nervous or. You can kind of coach tactics more versus like with men, it's a little harder. If like a guy is serving big and has, a, has weapons, it's, it's just a lot tougher to break serve. It's a lot – I mean with women's tennis, it's a lot of just throw the serve in and then play the point, and, and, it, and it can be a lot more about coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed the day-to-day more with the men. But I enjoyed match day more with the women, if that makes sense. Sure,
1: yeah, that so is. totally.
3: So um, yeah, I mean, I, I but I enjoyed I enjoyed both. I mean, obviously, um, the off the court stuff, like the recruiting, I mean, way easier with the women. I mean, obviously, it's it's a play, even playing field because everybody has eight scholarships
2: instead of four instead 4. of 5, four point five. You
3: know. But you know, it, it, it always. I mean, I, that's why I like. I have so much respect for David Rodidi. I mean not just that he's done a great job there, but like they have four and a half scholarships and it's a very expensive school and so you know if it's if it's sixty grand or whatever whatever the cost is you know u t is getting a kid on fifty percent and they're paying like you know six or seven thousand dollars you get, the you, you, get a, the you get a kid to t c u on fifty percent they're paying thirty thousand dollars and so he's I mean, you know, that's what that's what the problem was with with uh, it wasn't really an even playing field. It was like playing with you know, you just didn't feel like you know when it came down to money and scholarship. Well, you know, TCU's fifty percent scholarship is more like a you know ninety percent like UT at,
2: and a, at a state school at, yeah. at a
3: state school where it's mm-hmm. not private. So uh, that was a big challenge and. uh, but man, he's made it. He's made it work there. I mean, it's it's incredible how he manages the money and allocates the scholarships to get the most out of that four and a one half. One of
2: one of my favorite things about TCU, of course, top five, top ten men's program in the country, but number one in the country in attendance. There are there are a thousand something people watching because this match is hosted by that sorority or. That you know, Chipotle or that food place mm-hmm. or whatever, and there is it's a party at every match, and it's loud and it's a blast, and sometimes it's even hard to get a seat on those four middle courts.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, and it's a lot of help behind this behind the scenes. They have uh, what's called a the, the keep it in the purple tennis committee. Yes, charity. that's their t- yeah, and that's it's, their... it's mostly it's mostly headed by um, Sharon Keenum um, and a few others that are just real 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 diehard TCU tennis fans. And uh, you know, I mean, David can only he only has time to do maybe help out a little bit and show up and do a few things. But it's really the committee that I mean, of about about six or seven people that really kind of kind of help go into the community. They get the sponsorships. They, they get, bring in yeah, people. The food, the sponsors, the food, right? You know, just I but mean, they're very invaluable. Then and, and oh, yeah, yeah and, and you know, like David came up with this great idea of like making a con, getting all the sororities to come out there. And the sorority each each match, a, sor- each a, match. A, a, a sorority would come out and decorate the locker room.
2: They make signs. They yes. decorate the lockers. And yeah. they would get
3: and, and I think um, you know and they would have to come to the match and they would basically just kind of decorate the match for you know every match each sorority and so at the end of the season. Um, the winner gets like a. I think the winner got like a TV, like a big TV screen mm-hmm. that he David would uh, donate to their sorority. So they were like, and they were kind of motivated by like, hey, this is going to help our sorority house as well, you know. So sixty inch, like what we're watching right exa- here,
1: exactly. Right. And tennis channel right and, now.
2: And those sorority girls are ridiculously good at at puffy paint and those bubble letters. They're so good at those yes, signs. Yes, I've never seen anything like it.
3: I know. They decorate, and, and it's I think they continue to still do that. And, and it's been a great, like, way to market the program. It's it's, it's incredible. And that now it's just on top of that, like, you know, their ranking has just gone up the last few years. I mean, the last four or five years, they've just taken it to a whole other level. And oh. and, and, and ultimately that's, like, what's going to get continue to get a lot of fans is just the fact that they're winning so much now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been, a, been a great job there.
1: They didn't do that at Purdue for you guys?
3: The, yeah, the sororities. Oh no! I mean, we. Gosh, I mean, it, it was just different times. You know, when yeah. I played there, it was. It was. We didn't even have our own facility. Like we had outdoor courts, but you remember we would have play indoors most of the year. You went the to weather. a club, right? we played across town at a club mm-hmm. so you know like we have to kind of honor the rules of the club and right. how they want it done so we would just you know it was just totally i think it kind of also depends on the situation you're in what you can and, do and can't do and for in a indiana match.
2: in indy the the weather is bad 5 months a year right yeah you're yeah. not
1: playing outdoors probably until the beginning of <laughs> probably april probably
2: march april yeah mm-hmm. april wow
1: yeah so tcu has and they have a nice six courts facility that uh, you know, you can seat what 10,000 oh, yeah, people
3: it's it's one of the Probably one of the nicest outdoor facilities in the country. I mean, it's got six in a row. It's got four banks of um, four, so it's sixteen more outdoor, and it's got five indoor.
2: And it's built into a hill, and the well, the, the hill houses at least two thousand people if they want to Actually,
3: that section of TCU was used to be those tennis courts used to be a golf course yeah. called Worth Hills Country Club. They it, it was, a, it was it, a, interesting. Yeah. It, was a, it was a nine it was a nine hole golf course and uh, called worth Hill's Country yeah. Club, and then they bought that land and then put I mean they put baseball they put um, um a lot of those dorms uh, back in there that's and, and the tennis yeah. facility so they they converted that whole night hall golf course to in that land so that was that's why it's just so beautifully landscaped and everything
1: so how long ago was that it that they bought the bought the golf course is that oh I think they forty years ago fifty years mm, ago yeah, I think they
3: built the uh the uh the tennis center back in the early eighties. Yeah. Okay. Not that long ago really then. You know. Um you know, hats off to Tut Bartson, yeah. You know, oh, the recently. legendary the legendary coach, Rest you know. In peace and such yeah. a see legend. that happen yep. and, and you know, like and it's amazing. Tut touch just he made everything he was TCU tennis. Yeah. And he uh it was crazy. Um you know, he was there you know, in his eighties there, still playing like uh, he four or mentored, five days
2: a week. Yeah, and he mentored Borelli in a big way. He did.
3: Oh. And uh I mean, it's amazing at that age. He was still out there. He loved the game. He'd go and hit on the ball machine. Um, he'd even go. We, I even saw him in the gym a few times lifting weights. You know, and, and you know, it, it's just crazy how you know he just loved his love for the game. He'd still be there at all the matches and just still be just such a big part of the whole you know culture there. And uh, you know, just you know, it was just Spent his to be time. King Tut. He, Tut. Yeah. Yeah. King exactly. Tut. So.
1: Well, what are you doing these days? Let the let the audience know what uh, Jason Marshall's doing in 2019.
3: Yeah, so I changed gears big time. Um, so after uh, I moved back from from Atlanta, coaching at Georgia State back in uh, in June of last year, and um, I kind of uh, kind of looking to maybe change change things, and uh, I'm now. Crazy enough, I'm I'm doing custom orthotics. You now, did a I, lot of studying, and, I remember and about this. So you're like, how did I go? How's a, how do you go from coaching tennis to like insoles in your shoes and <laughs> natural and, transition? I always and, think of the and, two. And, and everyone thinks, well, how do you? Well, how do you? What made you think of that? Why'd you do that? And like, how did you get trained to do that and all that? So, you know, well, first of all, um, you know, I was wearing orthotics for God at least 15 years. I mean, and all the all the good pros, they're all wearing them, mm-hmm. and. um I kind of felt it fascinating how it was like actually keeping me from getting injured. I noticed kind of noticed myself like wow, like recovering faster, and like I, it saved it definitely saved a couple of years off my playing career wearing those. And uh, I'll never forget I had plantar fasciitis a few years back, and I went to the doctor, in, in Dallas, Doctor Doctor Cook and Doctor Nowak, and I had I I was at TCU at the time, and I and went in, went into the doctor, and i like. And and he he saw what I had. It was plantar fasciitis. And he's like, "Well, you know what? You're not wearing the right orthotics. Here, let's, let me get you in these." And, we, and they made them right there in about 30 minutes. That one of their guys made them there. And in two days, I mean, I had this pain for four months. In two days, it was gone. And i was like, I was just my mouth dropped and was like, "Whoa, this is unbelievable." And and I got like I I got two pairs, three pairs, and I like. Uh, kept wearing them and, and ever since then, I, it just, I never came back on me. And it, I was, I wasn't just, I mean, you can get orthotics a lot of places, but it was yeah. the fact that you could get it in like 30 minutes. They could make it, build it out and make it. And I'm like, most people like say, oh, don't they take a mold and they send it off and you come back and you get them in like three or four weeks. I'm like, no, I got this right there. And I was fascinated by that because no one ever knew that could have been done. And, uh. I talked to Richard Penn. He's there, kind of there, what's called a pedorthist. Mm-hmm. That's actually what a person, that, that actually makes him. And I was like, hey, Richard, is there like a business for this? Like, I know you're in the, you know, medical, you, you're you at the orthopedic clinic, but is there like a, you know, like, do you have to have a, you know, a, a license for this? Can anybody do this? You know, like, how, how much do you have to learn? I was asking all these questions and like, you know, I had an hour conversation with him about just kind of like, just want to see if there's like a business to this, you know, and what I'd have to do to do this. And he's like, Oh, how about you just come and, and shadow me in the clinic and s- see if you even like it first. And, and I'll teach you everything, you know, that you need to know about it.
2: This beat the heck out of eight, eight hours in an eighteen t cubicle.
3: Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's such a, it's such an, an art. I've been to saved. It. And I just found it as kind of a niche market. Uh, you know, it's been about a year now since I've had my business. I mean, a month ago, um, uh, we partnered with Luke's Locker. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you did. Luke's Locker is a it's huge. Cute. It's a huge running store in Dallas. It's been around for years. Everybody knows Luke's. If you were, if you've ever been in the running world, they did. They sponsor the Turkey Trot. Um,
2: even even their newest frontline employee is knowledgeable as can be at that place.
3: It is by far like the most no, the, the the people there they know shoes yeah. extremely well. I mean and they're dealing with I mean over 50 60 different kinds of shoes from over probably 10 15 brands. Yeah. And and they all know like oh you've got this injury, well you you pronate a little bit, okay, you need to be a neutral shoe, stability shoe. Okay, let me see your gait. We'll analyze we'll now you know, and we'll see you walk in it. We want to see you know all these things, and it's a it's the perfect fit because I can make the a lot of the insoles, and they pick out the, the right shoes. And it's at least just something they never they never had custom stuff there, and it's been a way to like really um, find a lot of lot of customers where they just kind of come you know they just kind of come to me right there. And um,
2: I, I'm a it's a, a great setup. I'm a friend of yours and a fan and also a customer. I've even ridden my bike over to your house, and the shoes I'm wearing now, these aren't high-performance running shoes or tennis shoes. These are like sneakerhead, cool, suede shoes that look like they're from 1981. I was to 1970. Bro. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and I don't enjoy wearing these unless I have... Some of these things that this kid made for me, this man Jason Marshall, DFW feet.
3: It's crazy. You never think you would get that excited about insoles. You know, whoever thinks of that. Yeah. But you're like, dang, when you wear other, you know, other things, it's like, wow, this is a really comfortable and and it fits my shoe well. It's completely custom and it's very affordable too. A lot of these people are paying. Five hundred dollars for insoles in their shoes oh, and you're to, to like, well prevent under an half, injury. Well and, under half. And I'm that. like charging two hundred dollars yeah. for a parent. It's like, you know, it, it's just it's a, it's a great deal, and it's just it's such a you know how many people out there have foot pain, knee pain, you know, and, and like a they lot, don't, but they don't want to have surgery. to right. Or have, back pain. They don't want to have an it. injection. They they, they kind of like, well, what can I do? They end up spending a lot of money on on chiropractors or massage or physical you therapy. Know. What's what's come with some conservative things that they can do. You know, for for themselves, that might not cost too much, but it might might prevent them from you know having to go to the doctor or have surgery. And it, it, you know, it's it's crazy. There is a stat out there that if people all in the all, all the people in the world, there's a ninety pursuit ninety two percent chance in somebody's lifetime that they will have some kind of a foot pain. Makes sense. And you're like, wow, really? You know? And and so that's what kind of excited me about this whole in-soul market was like, well, there's a big market here.
2: Yeah. It's not just college players or serious juniors or like you said, I remember a stat that uh, one out of 100 ATP pros doesn't have a custom orthotic. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to get into that. And I spent quite a bit more but I'm happy with yours. And whether you're an aging uh, former athlete like me or you're just a sneakerhead and you want to wear retro cool stuff or you want to wear some fashionable shoe, this makes your shoe feel like a performance shoe. Oh, I appreciate it. And I'm it. pretty happy with it. Yeah. Thank
1: you very much. a so great testimonial. Man, I'm telling you, high-tech performance. You know?
2: <laughs> and, and I do uh, wear them in my tennis shoes, too. So they they fit great. Well, that's Thank great. Yeah, so thanks. where can they
1: find you? So do you have a website, Instagram, Facebook? Um yeah. What D- do you got? Um yeah, I mean dfwfeet.com.
3: Mm-hmm. I do I do have a, a Instagram, I have a Facebook. Um, dfwfeet you'll, you'll find my number on there. It's best just to call me set up an appointment. And, uh, yeah, come to Luke's Locker. It's yeah. typically where I'm doing a lot of them now. I mean, I can still. Is that
2: the Mockingbird by SMU location? That, that location right yeah. there. 75
3: um, and Mockingbird if you're down in that neighborhood. Yeah, like I'm, there, of the... I'm there Wednesdays and Saturdays. Um, and uh, it's a great time where, you know, if you don't have time during the week or, you know, a weekend you got a little bit of time. Just come on down there and maybe give me a, a, a call beforehand, and I, you know, I'll make sure I'm there and everything. But it's uh, kind of a reg- regular or... hour. Yeah, about 11 to about 2 or so, right okay. in there. Um, and, and
2: you get these done in, in 30 minutes max, right? You've got the machine. You've got the yeah. scissors, the custom, everything.
3: Typically in about, yeah, let's say about 30 to 40 minutes. It really depends on what I'm doing. If it's a pretty simple one, it's 30. If it's a really hard one to do. It can take forty-five minutes. Or my my to an feet are hour. about as flat and wide as Texas itself,
2: and <laughs> and I remember doing. Yeah, you you did it in fifteen or twenty minutes. I walked around the block, maybe five or six blocks, and came back. You made one or two tweaks total, including my walk, was thirty forty minutes. Yeah,
3: yeah, and you know it's it's a great setup there. I mean, a lot of the people that are going there to Luke's, I mean, I'd say ninety percent or more of their sales are shoes. Yeah. And so it's kind of a great partnership where, you know, a lot of the times they just they're wearing orthotics, they need a new pair, or they or they're training, you know, they're 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 training for a big race, and they just don't want to get hurt. So it's 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 a great partnership, and and uh, they have a, a great uh, lot, a lot of associates that know a lot about shoes, and and it's it's a great need for their for their customers.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. I yeah. mean, just out of yeah. absolutely going from pro tennis to custom orthotics <laughs> <Excellent laughs> makes makes you know just a natural transition, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, well we have enjoyed having you. We don't want to take too much of your time. We know that uh, we, we are late tonight and so I'm here. We I don't long. have anywhere I don't have anywhere oh, don't? to go. Okay. You're so fun. Well, he, we, let's stay right we've
2: here. We've run long but we loved
1: having him and oh, yeah.
2: Craig, let's do, uh, can we, can a, little do? Fire, a little rapid fire, a little
1: reflex volleys. Yes, you know, 'cause cause we know Jason likes to play doubles and doubles you gotta have fast hands. Yep, so right. well, this this is kind of the lightning round. You know, this is rapid rapid uh, fire or fast hands we call it. Okay, so first band you saw in concert.
3: Uh, that was Depeche Mode, 1992. Depeche Mode? And they, here in Dallas? Here in Dallas. And they came At? with a- that was at the uh, the Starplex. Uh-huh, amphitheater. Ah. I'll never forget, they, play, they came with a band named Stabbing Westward. Oh, I remember Stabbing Westward, And Stabbing yeah. Westward no, was, a, was, was a nobody, <laughs> yeah. they were nobody at the time, but they ended up being a, a really good, kind of like good? a heavy alternative more, band.
2: More guitar-heavy, where Depeche yeah. Mode
3: used some guitars but a lot of keys. Yeah, Depeche Mode was 1992, I'll never forget it. I do, Jason, I, I like actually Depeche saw mode. them
2: at Radio City Music Hall 1985. Oh, oh wow. Radio City Music Hall. And call. I preferred the opening act, it was The Call
1: oh great Call. great band yeah. i know cb will remember that yeah. yes i remember those guys yeah. What was the one stacking what'd you say stabbing, West- stabbing.
3: westward was the opening, westward. opening band i still i still like you know i, I bought like four of their albums you know I, I, over the years and they were they were a brand new band yep. nobody knew them they were just on tour with them dave the brain do you know those guys
0: I have no clue. No. <laughs> you got nothing? It's a great name nothing. of a band, though. Stabbing Westward. Stabbing Westward. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, heard some, I, I, I did some, uh, some music business back in the day, and I'll I, I tell you what, that is probably one of the top ten readers' names I've ever heard. Stabbing <laughs> Westward.
1: Don't know what it means. There's no reference whatsoever, I guess. No. They just kind
3: of came up in, you know, one day, and they're like, hey, let's just name it this.
2: One of them <laughs> paid attention the day their history <laughs> teacher talked about Horace Mann, who said Go, go Manifest away. Destiny. Go, go west, west, young hungry. man. And they wanted to do a metal version of that, so stabbing,
3: stabbing westward. westward. Okay.
1: <laughs> Just a theory. Favorite film. Favorite film? Film? <laughs> um yes. or movie.
4: movie. In, in today's
1: world there's no more film anymore. Is there mm-hmm. film? Is there I guess is there, I guess there's film. You know, would they or would do they record it somehow electronically? is, is there is there it's like, you know, uh, taking a picture you know that's not there's no film there's no Kodak. so
3: i I would have to go with dumb and dumber with jim carrey Oh, tremendous interesting that you know like there's you know you know it's just one of those i I, it's only because i can i know so many lines from that movie
2: quotables can be the quotables jason a lot of people (laughs) would have gone super pretentious and critically acclaimed but you went for the funny Oh yeah. Yes. You went for it and you went guttural and right here and you went for it. Dumb and dumber, baby. Yes. Yes. Who's ever going to forget the Jeff Daniels on the toilet scene?
1: <laughs> that was a classic.
2: And and CB and I have kind of a joke that fart jokes are always going to be funny. Oh. It doesn't <laughs> matter well. who you are. In fact, if one of us ever f- slips up and says the F-word or whatever and it doesn't happen often, but if we do, our producer, Dave the Brain, has agreed that it won't be a beep. It'll be <laughs> yes.
3: Hey, <laughs> kick his ass, Seabass.
4: <laughs> uh, oh, we're having a good time. Excellent.
1: Right. Uh, if you were a villain or a hero, would it be in a book or film? If I were a villain or a hero, would it be in a book or a film? And you can, that's a kind of a two-part question. Would you be a villain or a hero?
3: Yeah. What would it? Be? Yeah. What? I'd be a. Maybe a, hero. a I'd probably be a hero. Superhero.
1: Hero in a film. Okay. Mm-hmm. What What kind of superpowers would you have? Like. You, what sweet I'm skills does really, Napoleon Dynamite? I, I, really, like. I really
3: liked. Like you mean the superhero? Like a sure. superpower? Like if, if you're a hero? Like the, Like the like the X Men? You mean like that kind of
1: superpower? This, this is your show. This I love
3: time. Hey, you know what? Like I would love to be one of the X Men. Would you really? Yeah. Yeah. Like. um... I mean, I wasn't wasn't the big Wolverine guy. Like, he's, like, the main guy, but I would love to be, like, a Magneto or something. Mm -hmm. you call him a villain, play a movie, you know. Like, he was the bad guy, but, like, oh, my God, he could, like, you know, with metal,
1: he could do anything he wanted. That's, like, super cool,
3: you know. Mm. But he's the
1: villain. (laughs) He's the bad guy. (laughs) Yes. Very good. All right. Love it. Uh, Four people you would invite to dinner. Who's your top four? Besides Adrian, myself, and (laughs) and Mr. D, you know, we don't count. But who who are the people in... That you would invite, and it could be anybody. I, I mean,
3: know. I would I would want to invite Roger Federer. That's a that's a given.
1: <laughs> ah, the king. Yeah, yeah, the king, the real king. Sorry, Juan Carlos, but you're not the king anymore. Roger, Roger, yeah, Roger, Roger Federer. Okay. Um, invite to dinner. Let me think. That's a good one. That's um, a good question. See, we ask impactful, hard hitting. Yeah. you don't get these kind of questions on other weak minded podcasts. I mean, we we are cerebral here. <laughs> yeah, we're hitting at, hard at the net. Um, so Roger Federer. Yeah, him. Let me think um,
3: without talking politics definitely oh. Donald Trump
1: now that'd be an interesting I Ed, I would love to, I would
3: I would love to, to have a chat with that guy absolutely okay <laughs> um, okay yes um,
1: yeah two more so Trump I would Fed, have, that's pretty pretty eclectic. Think, I'm thinking through. of I'm thinking of an I'm just you know go like, back in history.
3: I'm, I'm thinking yeah. like you know my 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 favorite band, Depeche Mode, like Dave Gahan, yeah. the lead singer. Like okay. I would I would love to chat with that guy and okay. like, and, and, and see what he's and, up to. and see what he's up to and kind of ask him all these questions about like the songs that he sings and like what they mean to him and all that. Um, and I would say, uh, oh, I don't know. Like let's think of a you got po- a fourth one. I know I got a. Probably like a movie or something. Um I love how you've spread things out. I'm gonna from, sp- I'm gonna spread things out, you
2: know. Yeah, sp- um, sports, politics, and music. Are you going film now? I or are you go, going back I'm to gonna, sports? There's well, always sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> I
1: know there's extra there's extra rock and roll.
3: Um I would I would probably say like I don't know. I'm going to have to probably go with like Arnold Schwarzenegger or something ah, like the that. the governor. <laughs> yes. Yes. The because, yeah, I'll the I'll the back. because I was I was, a, I was a big fan of those movies like Predator and, and Terminator and, and, those. and I'm like, man, I was I mean I don't know that I would, you know, it was just interesting, like, those movies. I was always... and the Destroyer was a movie I loved, you know? And, yeah, and, Jason, uh, I know
2: you think of <laughs> me as
3: a, as a
5: movie star, but I'm also in politics, so <laughs> really you've you've covered a lot
1: of bases there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good question. I, yeah, so we, 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 we're coming hard at you right here. I
2: got to tell you, I, I share Jason's guest list. Um, I love really... Uh, his, his answers, but I would stipulate that when Roger comes to dinner, he doesn't bring Anna Wintour. He doesn't bring yeah. the white man purse <laughs> with the gold lettering. I love Roger's game, but I could do without that all that stuff the that show, comes just, with him. Yeah. Come, come I want Roger Federer, but I want 2002 Roger Federer when he was about to break and he was... He had a puka shell necklace and long hair and a headband. Right. And he hung around with Peter Lundgren, like oh, a, yeah. a cat who listened to ACDC and drank beer, like, right after practice. Yep. Like, this guy, th- this was Roger. And I thought, that kid's going to win Wimbledon one day. And, of course, Amazing. yeah, he, d- he did win a few. All right, next question.
1: Uh, if you weren't involved in tennis or kind of – what sport or what would you be doing right now,
3: other than even DFW feats? Oh, Lord. It would be a completely different path. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I was always pretty good at math in mm-hmm. school. That's why you went so, to Purdue, right? Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would probably say, you know, the reading and all that, the English kind of part, definitely wasn't my thing in school. It was more, much more of the numbers. I could have seen myself maybe going into like finance or something like that. Probably not wanting to do accounting, but finance was probably something I, I would have probably looked more into. That's mm-hmm. not a bad one. That's pretty yeah. good.
1: You'd, so you'd be a Brick's Brother suit, you know, glasses, you know. You know, you know the, oh, uh, gosh. The, the, It'd uh, be
3: my version mm-hmm. of, of that, you know, like. <laughs> Mountains or beach? Let's say the beach. You like the beach, huh? Yeah,
1: yeah. East Coast, West Coast. I would say West Coast, really. Yeah, okay. more of a more of a, like a San Diego West Coast, or uh, maybe like Seattle West, Coast.
2: Vancouver, Seattle. I yeah. love
1: all that area. I, I love. I mean,
3: I love San Diego. Um, San Francisco is beautiful. Port, yeah. Portland. I mean, my mom's from Portland area, so I used to go up there every summer. Does your uh, mom when I was a watch?
2: Kid? Does your mom watch my favorite show from there? Portlandia with Fred Armisen and Carrie. Uh, no, <laughs> no, it's satirical and it's silly. It's, right. it's on IFC, and probably on Netflix by now. Yeah,
3: but yeah, West Coast, Portland, West. Seattle. I love all,
1: Vancouver. I love all that area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you watch on TV? Sports, reality shows, that kind of stuff. What, what what's your do you do you watch TV? Even? Yeah, I I, I I like to watch
3: TV. Um, I like to. Uh, I like I like to watch a lot of politics. Yeah, you know Fox uh, News. Uh, I am I am a Fox News guy.
2: You're I, also an I, independent because when, sometimes when we talk, it's not just right wing, right?
3: I mean, I'm more right wing. Yeah, I'm definitely not left wing. That's for sure. But mm-hmm. I like to keep up with it. I like to keep up not so much. I like to kind of keep up with more about policy and things like that. Not all. Not all that stuff you hear with rhetoric and all the all that kind of stuff going on. It really kind of gets boring after a while. I kind of just like to see you know where things are going in terms of like policy with the country. Um, favorite shows? I mean, I've actually I kind of watch random shows. I mean, like lately I've been watching this National Geographic Snake City. Uh, it's these the South African. Um, you get couple. the black mamba. You Get the black mamba. Yeah, and like Ooh. you know, I I saw watch the, the the all the it's kind of repetitive. They they catch four snakes: the black mamba, the green mamba, the spitting cobra, and the forest cobra.
1: Every episode, right?
3: And it's pretty much like it, everything is like you know deadly. You know this could, snake could kill you in a half hour. You know, but it's just, it's just a thrill like watching it. Um, I also was getting real into this past year was uh, Gordon Ramsay's uh uh, uh oh, the kitchen the, house kitchen no not house kitchen it was like uh. Hell on Wheels. Lots of F-words. A lot of F-words in that one. Where he would go into these failing – It was actually, I really liked it. I watched all the seasons, and uh, I think they'll probably come up with a third season here soon. Uh, he goes – all these restaurants that are doing poorly, and, and they're just – I mean, the food's not good. Their sales are down. They're going to close down. The mm. atmosphere is bad. And he goes in undercover you know, to these restaurants, and all he does is just try the food, and he just rips apart the manager and the owner and all the servers and tell them everything wrong with the place, and it's kind of hard to swallow, you know, and and he basically says, look, we're going to come in, and we're going to redo your whole place, train your chefs, and you might not like what I'm going to say, but he's a pretty foul-mouthed guy, and and. And uh I think it's a pretty cool show. I mean, I don't even like cooking, but I love the show. Isn't that isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, Just cuz I right. like to see what what he's going to do next and it's it's a it's a great show. <laughs> Favorite holiday. Favorite holiday. I really like um I really like July 4th. Really? Yeah, and I'll I'll like tell you, I'll tell you that? I'll tell you why. Um yeah, it's because um my parents they live I mean, pretty much right on Northwood Country Club.
2: Yeah,
5: kind of
3: Hellcrest uh, Alpha. It, it, they live right, right hidden there on on the golf course. Mm-hmm. It, there's a fence that faces the golf course, and uh, you on the south end, or we're we're on the eight, we're, we're on the 18th tee, and we can even see the tennis courts from our our backyard. I
1: didn't realize you were right yeah. there. Okay, and
3: and uh, we're kind of in between the courts and the 18th tee, and every every you know every summer they every Fourth of July they shoot off fireworks. And we can watch the fireworks from our backyard. And it's like we'll have a, we'll have a, f- a party every year. You we'll just bring had a big party over. a few
2: weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, we
3: probably had about 20, 30 people that came over. And so every year we have a party just to come watch the fireworks, have a few beers. And so it's just kind of one of those annual things that will always be there. And so that's why I, it's kind of like a lot of friends that I haven't seen in a while that they'll just they'll make it there. And so that's why I really kind of just – you know, love, love having a Fourth of July Weather's party. Usually pretty we, good. Oh yeah, we've been lucky every year. You know, but this year was a little bit crazy because of that um, that storm in June destroyed a lot of trees, and so Northwood was uh, Northwood lost about 150 trees on the golf course from that straight line wind. From that wind, and imagine 150 trees came down, and you wouldn't you would not have believed it. The week before the Fourth of July, I mean, you're like, there's no way they're going to have fireworks. Mm. They they got but. They ended up cleaning it all up
1: and and made it look beautiful. They had the fireworks. So that's why I really like the 4th of July. Excellent. Very good. What do you like to do in your spare moment other than hang out with Super Neil Kenner?
2: Uh. (laughs) Future guest on the show, by the way.
1: His roommate.
3: Yeah. In my my spare moment, I really just, uh, I mean, I love taking, actually, I really love um, working out on the side. I mean I there's this is one place I work out at all the time and it's called Hotworks. H O T W R X. And uh oh, you
2: I, gotta have cool spelling.
3: And yeah. uh yeah and and, and, and
2: vowels I like found this the place. Fewer the better. I
3: found this place about in November and it's workouts in an infrared sauna. It's all these saunas and you can do like yoga, cycling, w- uh warrior Pilates, uh and so I go in there Probably four days a week, and I'll, I'll do a spin bike class in hundred and thirty degree heat. And I'll do it, and I set the I set the temperature of the sauna. It's got a virtual instructor on the TV, and it's just something I really like doing more more so than even going to the gym. I just like going there because it's it's me by myself in a sauna, and I'm and I'm kind of like it's a great time just like kind of me to do my own thing and have like my my head space and everything.
1: That's why I like it a lot. Pretty good. Yeah. All right, and a couple of kind of tennis questions that sure. that, that we're going to throw at you. All right, uh, who would you like to play in your career, and when would you and uh, when would you have played them in their career? Let's say. So who would you like to play first, and then at what point? Who would I have liked to have played in my career? Yeah, I I would say Federer. Okay. I mean, I would love to have played Federer. Like Fed now, Fed back in uh, 20, uh, 2004? two
2: thousand Yeah, punk rock Fed. Or uh, current amazing. I mean,
3: I mean. Or the... fed when he's 12. <laughs> I mean, fed, fed, fed like, I wouldn't want to play him on grass. I mean, I wouldn't even get a, you know, I wouldn't even get a point on him. It would just, you know, it would be, it'd be so fast. I would, I would, like, <laughs> I probably wouldn't even win a game, you know? It would be How so. Did no- hard. You
2: have a remarkable two-hander. How did Novak handle those deep, nasty slices of Rogers? It's unbelievable. I it's mean, it's so impressive, isn't it?
3: I mean, I, I, I'm just surprised that. It's just something with the grass has changed since I played it. It's it's slower and the ball doesn't stay as low as it used to. Because, it's all rye instead um, of a couple blends. It, it's not many, not many players in the world that can actually beat Roger on grass when Roger is slicing it low. Like that's supposed to be a hard shot, not an easy shot, and it's just it's tough, you know. Um, yeah. I'll tell you, you know, it's kind of funny, like, we talked about the Robert Farah story. Well, I remember Djokovic when he was 14. I was playing, I didn't, I didn't never. I saw him in Germany, in Munich, in Oberschleisheim at the Nikki Pillich Tennis Academy. Yeah, Pillich
2: being from Yugoslavia, former and, and, Yugoslavia also, and, and, yeah. and
3: so, Djokovic actually trained in Germany at the academy there, and there was a future there in 2003, and so I saw him actually practicing. He was too young to even play the tournament there, so... I was looking at him practicing while I was yeah. at the restaurant, looking and like that kid's pretty good, like you know.
2: And then five years later, he turns pro, and yeah, you I said know. unmistakable same kid because I know that hair.
3: Yeah, <laughs> see the same hair; it never changed. Yeah, <laughs> never changed.
1: You were around Robert Farah and Novak Djokovic, and no one he, he was a good coach because he could spot talent. He? <laughs> he
3: <laughs> talent ID is the as the and as I, also, the USDA and I also calls sa- it.
1: I also said um,
3: uh, Felix. Aljazeera Oh yes, F-A-A. 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 I saw him when he was uh, six, 15, 15 years old. I saw him play at the U.S. Open Juniors, and I said he is going to be the next Sangha, top ten in the world.
2: Excellent. I,
3: yeah. I, I I bet money on it, and I'm not there yet, but I am pretty. Close. I'm You're pretty, pretty I'm, close. I'm pretty confident he's going to get there.
2: You're pretty close. Similar <laughs> racket to Joe, uh, two hander, but comes in. Pretty handy at the net. And yes. a kid-and-play, high-top fade haircut. Absolutely. Yeah, unmistak- another <laughs> unmistakable hairdo. All
1: right, next question. Right, we got a couple more All right. before we, we close out the segment yeah. here. Um, who would you pay to watch, former or current? Who would you pay to watch besides yourself?
4: Hmm.
1: Who would I pay to watch Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a really good question. I like
2: Yeah, because we we get free tickets to stuff and we see a lot of pro tennis, but I remember Mats Zeverland once said there's one guy, and, and this is a so, seven times champ, and he picked McEnroe.
3: So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say Federer because I've yeah. used that name too you have much twice. Yeah, but you know, but you know who I going to, who I, who's one of my favorite players, and you wouldn't believe this is Feliciano Lopez, a
2: fellow left-hander.
3: I love Lopez; he's one of my yeah. favorite players, and I watch him play, and I'm just like in awe of his game uh, and how he plays. He's lefty; he got the yep. big serve, he's got the chip. He plays a little more of a classic style, and. You just don't see that game that much, and that's why I would pay to say, oh, Lopez is playing? Oh, I want to buy yeah. a ticket to that match.
2: He's really gutsy yes. at the net, and he goes for some really cool little volleys up there. He's, he's
1: great. He's yeah. great. When little you see touch, him, little slice, little dink. Absolutely. Yeah. Most embarrassing moment in tennis? Most
3: embarrassing moment in tennis. Oh, gosh. Um...
1: I don't really, I got a juniors, college, pro could be, even today. Um, is, oh, we stumped him. Oh, oh We got him. <laughs> He's <laughs> I would, thinking. He's I categorizing. Would, I would say yeah.
3: it was my first six o six o defeat when I was a kid. I mean, I I lost six o six o, and everyone's had the o and o moment. Oh,
1: yeah. Rode the bicycle as a French and, thing. Yeah. and I.
3: I thought I was playing pretty well. I had a good, you know, like and I like. Oh man, like the just the score o and o, and it wasn't like one of those was competitive o and o. It was one of those like I just got killed o and o.
2: You were new to the game and he was already. No, I was.
3: I would already been. I was playing for for a long time, but it was just like whoa. I didn't. I didn't really win. I didn't even get you know that many points, and I just kind of went home and yeah, I lost o and o. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to kind (laughs) of say. I had to kind of say that for a while, and I was just like, oh. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you know, it, that does break some people, and I'm obviously very glad it did not break you, and it maybe it <laughs> even inspired you.
3: Yeah, yeah. It, it You know, it's just I kind of had to shrug it off. I, mean, I was crying after that. I was just yeah. like, what just happened? You know, like, I'm not very good. <laughs> <laughs> we,
1: we won't say ask who it was or what. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what sport would you have played if it wasn't tennis? Did you like any? Was there it would have been there? golf because um, –
3: not that I was ever a golfer, but, like, it would have been, I just, I was too fragile as a kid. Playing playing football, no way. Basketball, no way. Soccer, I was terrible at. Um, so it was definitely something where it was an individual sport, and golf would have, golf would have been, be, I would have started to take lessons and see where that would have gone.
1: I like golf. Oh, we, yeah. We played sneaks and cleats just the other day. I yeah, had it's had great. Time. I love it. Uh, okay. Um, when did you start playing tennis? How old were you? About eight years old, yeah. Who got you involved? My mom. Oh, really? She got me
3: involved in the uh, in the in the summers in Oregon, in Portland, and then um, and I kind of loved the game there. And then came back, and my first coach was Bob Moody out of Northwood. Oh, I love that yeah. man, Bob, Robert Moody. Bob was a uh, yeah. He was my he was my first ever tennis coach. Like after I said oh, I want to kind of get good at tennis rather yeah. than just for fun, you know. He he took me there because we lived on Northwood, so we just hopped off the back gate and like we're gonna go have a lesson with bob and so, he, he was yeah. a club
2: pro but some serious street creds uh oh, he, that he dude had could play some tennis he could oh, yeah. play he coached billy scanlon yes who two weeks ago in episode two we learned was the only uh tour player with a Seven Eleven patch deal
1: yes oh wow so yes. billy scanlon
2: to bob moody to jason marshall
1: that's right there's a connection yep yeah. Yeah, Craig Carden was, was in the seat that you're occupying right yeah. now, so he, uh-huh. he gave us a little insight into to, uh, some, some, uh, some good stuff that yeah. the good. listeners are, could hear on. That would be Episode 2, I believe, yep. right? Episode 2, that's yep. right. All right, uh, another question. I know you don't have kids yet. Would you want your kids to play competitive or recreationally? Competitively, absolutely. <laughs> yeah? You'd like to have a, have, a, have another marshman out there just uh, pushing the, the envelope? W- would love it, absolutely. Any superstitions or rituals? Did you like touch your hand? You know, touch your rear end, and then your nose, and you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you have a rafa too. can you? You could do that, can't you? Uh,
2: um, I I just I know Jason isn't superstitious. He's only a little bit stitious. Okay,
3: just only a stitious, a little stitious. Yeah. So so I, and, the only superstition I have is I just don't uh, I don't step over I step over rock cracks. Uh-huh. You know, I never really? will ever, if I see a crack, like, yeah? somewhere, like, okay. I just kind of make sure to, like, step over that. Don't step on it, you well, know.
1: Well, like, like the lines on the tennis court, would you step on those?
3: Oh, that didn't walking, matter. Walking if if you back there was a the crack station. on the court, uh, in between, like, I would definitely not step on that crack, you know, if I saw it. I would step over it. Because you Jason, break your what
2: back. What, Jason, what, what,
5: what about what about Water bottles. Water
3: bottles. <laughs> No, not really. I mean, I just drank water. I didn't think. I didn't think about where it was or anything like that.
5: You, you don't uh, put the labels out exactly the same way every time,
3: no? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not one of those. Didn't didn't do any of that. No. Well, sorry, Rafa. I know Rafa. Well, Rafa would argue that. Well, you know, Uncle Tony helped.
2: Uncle
5: Tony has taught me a certain way. I work hard. I. I try to play aggressive all the time. I will never ever be as as good as Roger Federer ever. I've never even gotten a set of him, but uh, well, sometimes. But uh, it's always very very lucky. So no, you have uh, to say no? No, the end. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's it's. I've had 24 wins against him. No, yeah, but uh, but he is far far more accomplished player. Yeah, I've only beaten him uh, very lucky 24 times. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, That's gosh. pretty good, see? That's very good. That's very good. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Thank it's you, it's, thank you. A, thank it's you. a pleasure uh, being here for you, Jason. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, I will teach you to do the water bottles uh, correctly. Okay. What, what do you out.
4: put in
1: your water bottles? O- only water? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh,
2: we'll get to those questions later, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, that That'll be part of our... Uh, pre-show and post-show yeah. banter. I'm sure where we get oh, seriously deep into sports betting, doping, that kind of stuff.
1: Yes. Mm. First racket that you used, that you owned. First the, Wilson oh, the Wilson Sting. Oh, the Sting.
2: Yeah. A few of my <laughs> friends and I called it the Wilson Stink.
1: <laughs> the Wilson Stink. Do
3: you still have one? Actually, that was well, I take it back. Wilson Sting was my first tournament racket, but the the racket that I actually grew up playing on the wall with at home excellent was the Connors, the T2000 steel. The steel T2000 was the racket that I used like on the wall, but I never actually like, you know, when I, when I went to go play like uh, lessons with Bob Moody, that Mm -hmm. was all, that was all the sting. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: It's funny. You mentioned the steel Wilson T2000 just this past weekend at the international hall of fame celebration. Uh They had Todd Martin using a Wilson Jack Kramer. The Jim Courier using the racket you're talking about, the J- Jimmy, Jim Jim Courier uh, J- uh, Jim Connors Jimmy Connors racket, and Mats Villander used a Rosignol Strata, which uh, that was one of my early ones uh, actually too. So that was kind of neat. Uh, I, I, you're going to need the beep function for this one because one of my favorite writers, David Foster Wallace, who ended up being an English department chair at Pomona College in Southern Cal. Uh, David is not with us anymore, God rest his soul. But David, in one of his essays, called the Wilson T2000 the single (laughs) piece of sports equipment ever made. (laughs) I thought, how perfect, how wonderful. uh, Jason is an amazing player and a great coach. He grew up with the Wilson Stink and the single sh- racket ever made. The Wilson <laughs> Thank you T- very much. Wow, you, get, you, fit all,
1: you covered all you bases. I'm honored. <laughs> How did you do that, man? That's great. <laughs> all right, last four. We're in the we're round of the bend. We're counting home yes. right here. Racket of choice. What's your racket of choice? Current. David? Current. It, you know what?
3: I, I've been holding on to the Babolat for a long time. It's the, I'll tell Pier you, storm I'll tell tour, you what? right Still right now, yep. I'm using the 2009 Pure Control, which was the Storm. Yeah. And I just don't want to change rackets.
2: You've got the white red. The
3: white
1: red. You know. Yes, I remember that one. It's it, funny when it's when, it's when a good you
2: watch, when you look, you look on TV, the new uh, Pure Strike will be that look. Dominic teams the using Pure Strike
3: it. sixteen by nineteen yep. is the Pure Control, it's, which was it, yeah. the Pure Storm. Right.
1: And who knows what it will be? It's the same racket with different paint.
2: Great stick. Great. It's a great choice. racket. Yep.
1: Gutter nylon, poly, even get nylon poly oh
3: i try to use i try to use uh no nylon no uh, guts sometimes in the mains and poly in the cross or it's all poly so i i i, I used to early in my career do guts in the crosses it, mm-hmm. it, it actually breaks quicker in the in the crosses i was only in the mains it, yeah. it's longer it, and and
2: I, I'm, I'm with you i use gut mains and poly crosses and i love how the gut slips on the poly and weirdly it's better than what i considered the cadillac of string jobs 20 years ago, which was gut-gut. And yeah. now I'm like you, gut mains, polycrosses, love it.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Tension. What tension you like?
3: Uh, I'm around 55, I would say. Uh, Is that higher or lower than probably on when you were on the tour? Oh, I went higher on the tour. I was probably around 60 on the tour, 60 mm-hmm. to 62. Um, just I had shoulder shoulder issues. I mean, I had major elbow surgery. <laughs> Um, so I try to go down. I mean, I'll go even as low as 52, 53, but that's not really enough. I'm going to play like a, a set, like a match. I won't play with that tension. But to hit a little bit, maybe if it's colder weather,
1: I'll drop it down low. But 55 is kind of comfortable where I'm at. Very good. All right, last question here. This sure. is this is the big thought provoker, I think. Okay. Coming, this is the drum roll, right? If you, if you could wave the Magic Tennis wand and you were a tennis commissioner, what would you change? Is there one thing that you'd change, or would there be some changes that you'd made in the great game, if any, and why? Do you, or mean, do you mean, like it
3: the way it is? Do you mean in the uh, the game of uh, like the rules of tennis, or in the
1: ATP? You mean you you, you have the magic wand; so you yeah, can sprinkle the fairy dust, so you you can make a change or you can make changes. Do you like like the let serve? You know, you hear people talk about you know, like in D one tennis, it's always a let serve is played, or is it something different? About tennis, would you uh, do you like the tiebreaker at Wimbledon at at twelve all or at six? Oh, there's a yeah. lot of things. Well, like the like the like the past one we saw at Wimbledon.
3: Yes. No, play out the fifth set of the final. I think yes, the twelve all. It, it was a good rule, but not for the finals. They don't have a match the next day or two days later. It's like why not play it out? You know if this. So that was one thing I I would change. I mean I would say, um, in terms of, uh, I mean I would say. Let me think. In terms of, you know, I think like there should be a rule on like how many times you could like toss the ball and not not hit it. Okay, you know, you could toss the ball unlimited times. Correct. You know, I kind of always wish like maybe you have, you're only allowed to toss it twice. You know, and then if you toss it a you know if you if you don't you know serve it by the second time, okay, you know I think it's just more of a courtesy thing because you can toss the ball ten times and do that and
1: throw off your opponent.
3: Yeah. I mean, I still go back to the what was it—the 30 seconds between points rather than the 25. Yeah. They've made it. Whatever. What's that going to do? You know. I mean, I think it's just small he, things like
1: that. Has anyone ever been penalized? I don't think there's been anybody penalized. as so. I don't think they're doing anything. Um, are they? I, I still
3: like the. Uh, you know, um, it was always kind of weird to me at one zero when they just switched sides and they didn't sit down <laughs> when on the odd game. Remember? <laughs> you know, and they changed that like you know 20 years ago or something. <laughs> And you're like, well, you know, what if that game is a really long, hard game?
1: Yeah, you know, should you sit? <laughs> you know, well, you know, it's kind of weird when they, you know, didn't, yeah. you know, I don't know. Maybe. Or tiebreakers when there's, you say know, plays continuous and everybody always goes over and gets a water or uh, towels I, off. One, yeah. one of thing I would say with a tiebreaker is don't call it a twelve point tiebreaker and then like
3: it'd be to seven.
0: I don't think everyone's confused.
3: I don't think everyone. Uh, no one's ever said, you know what? We're gonna name this the the seven point tiebreaker to make it easy. And just say it's the first to seven. You know, like okay. I remember when I went to these little little junior tournaments. Yeah. They would say, okay, it's a it's a, a, a twelve point tiebreaker for the third set, or oh yeah, twelve yeah regular scoring. I'm like, well, regular scoring. You know, like what do you mean? Is that with deuce? You know, <laughs> do we have- with with ad? You mean you know, like so all those things like that. You know, you're
2: about to get me started with some get off my lawn about the uh, about the obscure. Arcane language of our sport. Yeah. Love.
3: I mean, why does it be called? Love? People always call People forty love. Well, why, yeah. why love? Why is it zero? Yeah. You know, like I think, like all right, thirty zero or forty zero. Yeah. Deuce for forty all. You know that. You know I think that means two. Doesn't
2: it? Deuce. <laughs> deuce and and or, love. You know, we say it comes from that Anglo-Norman French tradition of love, the egg, uh, so goose egg, that kind of thing. So there are all these strange things that I would change it to one, two, on three,
3: to. four. Yeah. You know when they say no ad it's it's one, two, three, four, but it's like fifteen. I think a lot of people like they just the scoring, people don't know anything about tennis fifteen love, okay thirty love or forty love forty fifteen I'll just say one, two, one, three, two, you know I think that'd be like a lot of easier for the I think it would actually be a great marketing to get more tennis. Because people wouldn't wouldn't see these strange scores, you know, the, like they, on TV. They started to do
2: that a little bit of that in fast four tennis, where mm-hmm. they do they score it as one, two, three, four, and yeah. it is easier. And I will defend tennis a little bit, even though we have some arcane stuff in the in the parlance and the vernacular of tennis. In pickleball, they have three numbers in their score.
1: They do for doubles,
2: <laughs> for dubs. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, they have like my score, our score, opponent's score, and. Which number of serve, uh, like, that's it's either confusing. one or two. You know? So I, I thought, man, if Jason doesn't like love and 15 and 30 and 40, he's <laughs> going to hate pickle scoring.
1: Yes. So, so that's my but, changes And, and right by there. the way,
2: and he's a math guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And that's your two cents, spend it wisely, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, well, thank you, Jason. It's been a lot of fun. We didn't mean to keep you this long. I didn't know. If uh, I was... it's, well, been it's been such a blast to have fun. you. Yeah. If you want to stay around for some more stuff, then. You know, I'll you're... stay around for some Stick more. Stick around, not? my friend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm having, yeah. I'm having fun. We yeah. Are. And
2: and I mean, I, I wanted to just mention, uh, number one, it's an honor to have such a great uh, guest for season one, episode four, Jason. So thank you. And I was talking to a friend this morning, um, David, I was talking to him about um, how far we've come and really we're reflecting on Craig Bell's unique and amazing career. And it was just, gosh, we have you have so many followers and fans on Instagram, Facebook, and subscribers to Tennis News You Can Almost Use. And uh, David and I were talking about how um, this podcast represents even a- another level above that. So I was asking him... Um, you know what he thinks and all that and do David do we have David do we have audio of him or can we access that
0: yeah 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 uh let me uh let me punch him in next yeah is this David yep
2: uh, we're having a little trouble getting to, oh yes and this is ground control to C B one. You've really made the grade. David, thank you. Thanks David for piping Bowen. him
1: in wow. Isn't that you. amazing? It's very, very good. Thank That's you. Guess. So it's an well, it's, uh, honor of space and going to uh, that isn't that from uh what is that song, David Bowie? That's space a, Oddity. Space Oddity, yes. Yeah. We, and we were just up in space just 50 years ago in the, that's right. in, at, at the moon. So very, very timely. Uh,
2: it was, I think it was yesterday, 50 years ago, right? It's, yes. 21st of June, yeah.
1: It's nice to hear from David Bowie.
2: Yeah, it was. And he was probably in the same studio where they faked the moon landing.
1: That, that's, yeah. That, uh, <laughs> 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> There's... There those who do feel that way, aren't there, there
2: are, there are. I'm just, I'm sorry about the technical difficulties, but that's, uh, that's what it's like, you know. Sometimes, sorry.
1: Well, thank, thank you very much. Yeah, we, it was a do. pleasure. And we, Craig, we, a huge feather in your you. cap.
2: Uh, well,
1: we have, n- we have not fun.
2: just for the Facebook fame and the Instagram and the following and that awesome newsletter you write, but this is kind of a cool new thing and a new level yeah. and a new venture. Oh, we have great And I wanted time. to congratulate you. Thank you. Congrats, on that. Thank, thank you. <laughs> thank no, you.
1: Take that. Uh, very, very uh, high regards. I know that uh, you, you don't throw those kind of accolades out, and so thank you very much. I mean, and
2: and David Bowie really doesn't throw those out. No,
1: he, no, he doesn't. <laughs> no, you know, he's not that kind of person. No. So, but uh, let's go on to our second set. That's going to be tennis and gambling. Is it a match made in heaven or not? Mm. Uh, I was just uh, came across an article online uh, a couple of days ago, and the the topic was is uh, ATP World Tour aims for one billion dollar betting streaming deal with IMG this was as of July 3rd 2019 and the ATP is uh, looking like they are pushing forth with a uh, deal to uh, stream and bet where a year ago uh, there was an article <laughs> that just says uh, just quite the opposite uh, from the sports business journal. Which is, is a very uh, reputable source. ATP Tour takes grandstand on gambling. So Memo says sponsorships are banned for, for tournaments. So wh- where would the uh, 180 go on this this it's, topic it's, all of a sudden?
2: It's hilarious, and it reminds me of when governments legalized drugs and profit off it. It reminds me of 1982 when taking guarantees was strictly verboten and Guillermo Vilas one of my favorites at the time was nailed to the wall for taking under the table guarantees and here's Jason talking a little bit about how at the Bangkok tournament they would offer some guarantees at a small tournament and it was completely kosher and legitimate so you know in business things open up like that and ATP you end up looking like a hypocrite huh
1: well maybe uh, a billion dollars is is a lot of uh, a lot of cheese to uh, kind of like hmm okay <laughs> you know uh, and it's funny that this, this the writer's name is Andy Cohen. Oh, that's great, <laughs> and, Andrew Cohen. Andrew Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Cohen is the is the uh, famous famous comic. That's uh, uh, I, I'm sure it's not the same, but yeah. uh, uh, the the article did say IMG the talent agency owned by Endeavor is nearing a 10 year deal worth one billion for betting for bets betting streaming and data rights to the ATP World Tour. If the deal is complete, it would be the largest media rights deal in the history of tennis. So that's about $100 million a year. $100 million a year. That's just that, insane. Isn't that phenomenal? Wow. I mean, Which yeah. is
2: literally 100 times more. Jason and I were talking pre-show. Uh, our banter included how funny it was that Betfair and Bet yes. at Home oh, yeah. are sometimes million-dollar title sponsors for yes. ATP events yes. where mm-hmm. they have taken a huge stand against Betting, yes, Jason. It, what are some of your insights? And as you remember, some some guys getting busted for that.
3: Yeah, well, I mean the betting side, so I mean, I think you know ninety nine point nine nine percent of it's all good. It's mm-hmm. in, in good fairness. It's done the right way. But you know, it just takes a, a, a couple of people to like mess it up and get a bad rap.
2: We're talking about match fixing.
3: Yes, match. Yeah. We're talking about match match fixing, and um, it is it is done. Um, a lot of it, I I think it's. It's done a lot at the lower levels of the sport. Right. I mean, where someone will just sell a match and make a quick thousand or a couple thousand dollars, or, you know, it'll, things like that. Meaning, or, meaning, bet against myself, throw this one, throw or. Throw this match and they're going to pay me.
2: Or play great in the first set and then take a dive in the second set. Yeah. Third. So
3: there's a lot of, of, of that going on, like match fixing at the low level. Now, when it comes to the higher levels, mm-hmm. um, You gotta be. I mean, there are players that do it, but they're very. And I'm sure there are players that do it right now, but they're discreet about it. You don't think Fed took the dive? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right.
1: Man, I was worried about. Damn, I was like, come on, King. But he he had two match points, you know. So you know, Joker probably paid him (laughs) a few, few extra.
3: I don't know know know. about that hitting that (laughs) forehand cross court pass. You know, like it wasn't. You know, it was a very makeable shot, but it was like still, you got your down match point. You know, like it's you know.
2: Novak has a match point. Has a PhD in saving match points. That guy.
1: Yes. You know. So, according to this article, also too, the deal is reportedly in the final stages of the negotiation. Covers the ATP World Masters 1000 series, the World Tour 500 series, and some other of the 250 series events. Mm. According to sports business media, no other betting, streaming, or sports data company was invited to make an offer to the ATP tour, who to negotiate exclusively with IMG for these rights. So interesting, wow. uh, you know, I said I just happened to catch this, you know, coming across, uh, uh, I was at lunch, I think, and sometimes at lunch, I like to read yeah. different articles, and I just caught this, and I was like, well, isn't that interesting? You know, CB,
2: it- thanks for digging that up. Uh, you're not going to get that in most podcasts, and Jason Marshall, yes. we're not going to get that kind of insight, and I appreciate your having the
1: guts yeah. to
2: come right out and tell us, yeah.
1: So... so let me let me ask you a question. Just really, and you have to you have to say yes or no. But what what if someone might have come up to you at a tournament and said, "Hey, Jason, you know, would you take a, you know, yeah, a thousand?
3: yeah?" I've, I've been well, I've been offered that at at prize money events. Never never at an ATP or a challenger event. Um, but I was. I mean, in France, oh, they're notorious like for those French money tournaments. They sell matches all the time, all the time, all the time. Solos, yeah. Interesting. I mean, but they're not, they're just they're, it's just really for just. I mean, we're but we're talking like five hundred to a thousand dollars here just not to throw huge. a match. Yeah, we're yeah, not, not we're not talking money. like, you know, the money that's you know six seven figures worth of money we're talking about. It's you know we're, um, but uh, well, no, the, it's 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 definitely real.
1: I, I remember in Oklahoma City when I was growing up, I was probably about. It was probably about sixteen or seventeen, and uh, at that time it was called the pin circuit. It, it came through Oklahoma City at the club that I, I uh, worked at and was a member, practiced, and and there were some guys. It was the men's side of the tour, and it, it not very high level. I mean, it's it's it was the the minor leagues of probably it was single A ball basically. But uh, there was a guy that uh, I don't I can't even remember where the guy was from, but he he drove a Porsche, wasn't very wasn't. Shouldn't have been on the tour. And I, was talk- I had a couple of guys that, that uh, we had housed, and uh, it's like, what's the, what's, the, what's the story with, you know, let's say it's calling Jim over there. Mm-hmm. You know, Jim, he couldn't, you know, beat me as a junior. I mean, I know I could beat this guy. And they go, oh, well, what he does is his dad has so much money, he doesn't care, and he uh, just gives Jim money to go out there. And sometimes Jim asks people to... Uh, you know, take a dive. Of, you know, in in the in, in events, and he might say, "Look, I'm I'm playing Adrian over here. Okay. I'll give you a thousand bucks." And Adrian, you know, might not you know, you might not even win a thousand bucks for for the tournament. Winning the whole thing, yes. yeah, the and, whole week. And so, right. Jim, and Jim would would give the you know some some. He'd get some takers out of the deal. I'm like. No kidding. And this was like 1976, mm. 77, very low level tennis. Yeah. That's what you're talking about. It, it wasn't happening, you know, I'm sure at uh, Wimbledon or U.S. Mm-hmm. Open. You know, that, right. it may be, but, you know, I, I came across that 40 something years ago. I was kind of like, no. And these guys were, not that Jim at, at had, had asked these guys to stay at our house, but they, I was like, this guy isn't that good. He can't hit his way out of a paper bag, really. Yeah. I mean, what's he doing out, out here? And they go, "Well, hey, you know, that's kind of I, the deal." I,
2: I bet his Porsche was an automatic transmission too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: right? He couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't handle the stick. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: but anyway, and I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, Adrian. thank go you. Ahead. No, no, no. I, I, I,
2: I was just saying. Gosh, I'm. Uh, I'm glad we get to talk about this stuff because this is rare in the in the industry.
1: Oh no, I think I think hey, anything that at the net we're going to bring anything up, and I, yeah, if people don't like what we're talking about, and you know, um, you know, we live in Dallas, Texas, but I'm not going to tell you where we live, so <laughs> you can't you can't get our tires or can't can't come by our house and shoot the windows out.
3: <laughs> but I think with this betting, this one billion dollar betting deal, the front what I'm looking at, I think it's just great for tennis. It's just it's going to keep a lot of tournaments that maybe just can't make it. Like you Around. gotta you gotta realize these two fifties and five hundreds. Yeah. They're
1: barely hanging, if, aren't they? If
3: if Roger Federer loses first round in in uh, in uh, in Halle. Yeah. You know what happens? you know what happens to that tournament? It's bad what, what if in Dubai Attendance if Dubai bad, if yes. Dubai, if Federer loses first round in Dubai, that tournament takes a massive hit. So I think it's a great way and a lot of these tournaments just rely on their ticket sales to like to, to and, you know, to keep these players. And they're paying these players, the top players, big appearance money, I mean, to, to come to that tournament. And if they don't go far in that tournament to sell the tickets, you can never predict if one if someone gets hurt or sick or plays bad and gets a tough draw. You can never predict that. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of unpredictability. Like, what if Serena loses first round? Well, they're that right just, coming. That, just, it, it, they're, that tournament's losing a lot of money the rest of the week just from that. So I think this is a great way to like kind of like help the ATP, you know, hopefully they're giving some of this money back to funding some of the tournaments, you know, especially like in an emergency fund or something like oh, what if the tournament
1: <laughs> rainy day funds or something yeah, like that.
3: Yeah, a rainy day type fund where mm. oh yeah, we lost our Nadal Nadal got injured and withdrew last minute. Uh-oh, mm. you know. So I think I hope I hope that that's why this isn't just a profit maker, you know, for the ATP. A money grab or something. No, like I hope not.
1: Anything else you want to say on it? I
2: think that's fantastic.
1: Let's yeah. go. Let's yeah. let's move along. We on. We'll move into the third set. Shall we? That, yeah. was, that was no. You know, you gotta have it's more of a hot sports opinion, don't you? You don't have anything else on that. Does a- it does it bug you?
2: The betting, the, yeah. uh, the match fixing does bug me. And and if I were to add anything, I would say, you know, I know the tennis cognoscenti. I, th- I think a lot of people are hypercritical of the changes tennis, uh, uh, the, the, the establishment has made in restructuring the lower levels of tennis. But is there a positive? And maybe Jason has some insight. Is there a positive to... Making it uh, a higher barrier of entry, and is that does that have anything to do maybe with with match fixing or preventing it
3: I, th- I think it does. I mean I knew the reason why they kind of changed the tour was mm. really for gambling um, it, to prevent it or to to, 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 to
2: disincentivize to, it
3: yes, um, and you know it was also like i 'll tell you what was happening is a lot of these players would would um, sell a match. Just so a lower player could win a round and get their first ATP point. You ever heard of people say, "Oh, I got an ATP point. I'm a world ranked player." You know, and uh, you know, and that was where a lot of matches were being sold to make that point. You know, and then all of a sudden, well, how many players are ranked? Well, it was like two thousand or something. Oh yeah, it was to twenty two something. And and so, and so, the, the, the we want to cut a lot of that out. You know, we want to cut a lot... You know, the person buying the wild card and, like, oh, they lose first round, they get a point for losing first round in the challenger. And, like, oh, you know, they bought that. They didn't really win anything. They, you don't know. So I think it kind of cuts out the first round more. I mean... Um, and that's where the ma- – you don't see a lot of selling of matches and gambling in matches, match fixing in mm-hmm. the late round, like in the semis and finals.
2: It's generally first round.
3: It's generally like first round, you know, like quick little easy money. Mm-hmm. So but the transition tour, I mean, I'm, I think still everybody is kind of feeling how that's going to play out. I don't – from what I – I've talked to a lot of players that have played it this year, and there's not good feedback. That's they're making mostly what I'm hearing. They're ma- also, they're, yeah. I mean, I asked a lot, like what their thoughts were, and they're just finding it to be too difficult to, you know, to to climb the ladder. It's just another. It's another. You've added one more hurdle.
2: Well, one more barrier. And I do hear some very good nationally ranked Division One college players saying, you know, I'm. I'm just not even going to try that, and uh, I'm just going to go into something else. Yeah, I, in a weird way, will it strengthen the
3: college game? You know, I think it's. I think um, it will. I'll tell you why I think it will strengthen the college game. Mm-hmm. Um, is you have a lot of these players that want to turn, especially like in the international part of it. So in the U.S., I mean, a lot of the, a lot of these kids, they, they know the college system you know and, and they're either going to college or they they they're, they're, they're going to go pro right. but um, you know like be i think in these days a lot of a lot of players the federations are, are the ones sponsoring the players the and, national ones and, and, fft and, and, in france and, lta and, and it's like. a, it's a, it's going to be in some of these companies that like will sponsor a, a team it's not so easy to like get sponsorship like they can play a few pro tournaments when they're 16 17 they don't get any points it's really hard to go and get a sponsor when you say, "Well, what's your ranking?" Well, I've I played a lot of few tournaments. I've done well, but I don't really have a ranking yet. Mm. They don't understand that. They don't know if you, what are you ranked. You know, yeah. what are you ranked? And when you say you don't have a ranking yet, I think it's just harder to get sponsors. And in the federations, I think they're realizing it's a little more difficult. Um, it, it's it's definitely college is now almost becoming the futures yeah you know and it's like if you can't break through and and, and start winning a top you know be a high nationally ranked player you're probably not going to win a future you know that's kind of like kind of what the level is compared to so
1: i I think also uh, betting is becoming more mainstream you've got uh, a football team nfl football team uh, in Vegas now, the mm-hmm. Vegas Raiders. You've got mm-hmm. uh, Vegas hockey. You know, NHL hockey team is there. So, you know, even world team tennis. has got the Vegas Rollers. Rollers. That's right. right. That's right. right. Well, there you go. Our so. buddy
2: Craig uh, Carden's team, the uh, the Freedom's. I think Philadelphia just Philadelphia edged Freedoms. them. Do you, do you have Elton
1: John? Is Elton John going to sing to me as well? <laughs> I, we we may have that. We may. Have we were trying to get Craig Carden to sing Philadelphia Freedom. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> funny. I,
2: I tried so hard. I even. Uh, embarrassed myself with a clip of it and texted him earlier that day, and he was like, "Okay, he, he, he I'm did, not singing. I'm he, he, sorry." He, he didn't buy on that he day. He's like, "I like all your questions, but I'm not singing. I'm not singing."
1: He, he shut that one down pretty fast. So, all right, well, that's it for second set. So I think that's a, that, that was a very good, good second set. Uh, we do you, three John. out of we do five sets here, Jason. So okay, you know, so we're uh, we don't do three out of five. We 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 go all five sets. Let's you know? do it. We're, no we're all in. All right. So this is this set is. What's your game, mister Tabria. The James Bond movie, I don't know if you are you a James Bond fan? We, there, there was Goldfinger, and he, and he, uh, all right, Goldfinger asked Mr. Bond, What's your game, Mr. Bond? So that, that's, What's your game, Mr. Chad? They were on the golf course. And what's your game? Okay. okay. What's your game? I have Mr. not Chadwick. seen a
3: lot of these. I've seen them, but then I just can't
1: remember a lot of these. Movies. This was before you were yeah. born, too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This may I have been watching, before I was born. I was watching <laughs> Goldfinger, well, it was '63, '64. I yeah. was watching it. When yeah. were you born?
2: I was born in '69, oh, and yeah. you. Craig, you're only four years old for this one.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it last night. I was watching okay. golf. I love James Bond. So. Yes. What's your game, Mr. Chabria? Is, so, also, miscellaneous musings. So yeah. I call it miscellaneous musings for all the hipsters who don't know our pop, pop culture references. Yes. Oh. Okay, so first game in the third set, eSports Particularly tennis. There was a a big tournament in in Paris a couple of of weeks ago. It was called the French Open. But did you know there was an eSports version and a champion that played a a game of tennis? There were actually two guys that were playing eSport gamers to play at Roland Garros. Tennis is the latest sport to host an eSports tournament after French Open. Uh, The French Open uh, organizer Roland Garros announced its first gaming tournament, which will give gamers a chance to attend one of the biggest tennis events of the year. The tournament will be sponsored by the French Open main partner. Multinational banking group BNP Paribas will be called the Roland Garros E-Series by BNP Paribas. Players from the U.K., France, Belgium, Italy, Germany, China, uh, a couple other places will compete in a demo version of the unreleased tennis world tour game by Big Ben Interactive, the winner of each region, will then travel to the French Open in Paris on May 25th, where they will play in the finals of the tournament. With the French Open starting on May 21st, the E-Series finals will be held during the opening rounds of the tournament. The E-Series is part of a renewed agreement between BNP Paribas and the French Tennis Federation, according to Esports Observer, in which the deal will last until 2021. Tennis is one of the many sports that has started its own esports tournament, joining the likes of NBA, NHL, as well as Football Leagues, mm. La Liga and Bundesliga. So and so the guys that uh, won this guy uh, was uh, let's see. Marvin R V P Nonone won the Rolling Garros E series by defeating fellow Frenchman Thibaut Carmelet. Is that mm. I don't know, T H I B A U T. Yeah, Thibaut,
2: Thibaut,
4: yeah. yeah. Thibaut Carmale.
1: K-A-R-M-A-L-Y. In the final on Sunday, right there, uh, Nanon prevailed on court one, hours before Rafael Nadal beat Dominique Thiem on court, Philippe Chatrier to to claim the French Open title. So they must have set up over on court one, uh, the uh, setup, and uh, Carmelade had uh, beaten defending champion Carlos Chi of Spain to reach the grand final. I'm a big tennis fan, but I can't play because of injuries, and I'm very proud of my victory today, said RBP. Yeah. So mm. what do you all think about... Uh, the e uh, esport world of tennis, French Open. Are you are you a gamer, Jason? First I off. I am not a gamer,
3: but if anything can bring more to the sport mm-hmm. and it's not even real tennis, I'm still for it because it's still like very, inter- it, you very know, interesting. It, you know, I mean you're gonna bring people that, that that just are gamers and you know that that just helps the sport. Have you so, ever
0: played tennis real people.
1: What's
3: that? It can
0: bring a lot of young people to the court. Are you a young so people? Did.
1: Would the, you would, would you be interested in watching? Because you're younger I, than us. <laughs> so you're young people. I, so I we're going to ask you. You just made that comment. <laughs> so would you be interested in watching? You know, a couple of guys play. You know, tennis world tour.
0: Oh, absolutely. Would you really? <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. What about Adrian and I? What if we were playing? Would you be interested in watching us play?
0: Oh, of course. You guys are my best friends. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I,
1: we're not going to
5: sweat much, but as long as I can uh, compete hard, play aggressively, line up on bottle
1: bottles, I think, I'll, I, I, think I will enjoy it. No, w- Would you wear your Vontagio wristbands while you played because <laughs> yes. your thumbs might be sweating? <laughs> I love my Vontagio uh, wristbands. I love the Grand Slam colors, yeah. Well, see, as, as Rafa, you know, because he would be sweating, I think, on the thumbs, right, or the fingers. How do you play... Those kind of games. I'm not. I'm 60 years old. Nearly (laughs) almost. I'm almost 60 years old. Believe it or not, Craig,
2: 59 and a half. Uh,
1: 59 and a half. Yes, (laughs) and county. But I guess you would you play tennis world tour with your thumbs, your fingers. How do you play that game? I've never, never played uh, an e-sport game. Really. What? What? How would you do this? Would you, uh, you? Do you know how to play this? I have no idea how to play it.
0: I I would imagine it probably be with a, a PlayStation 3 or Xbox, something like PS3, that. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, you got some some teenage dude just sitting there. It's an Xbox. X- it probably, it's one it's probably Xbox. Xbox. Okay, okay. So yeah, you can imagine like a teenage, angst kind of skinny dude sitting yeah. on the couch with a yeah. headset like mine. He's just sitting there. He's yelling and he's all like, "I'm <laughs> to you. I'm <laughs> to you." That kind of thing. Take that. Take that. Take that. <laughs> take that.
2: I would I I, I do like that, but I would look forward to the VR version where you can hit like sort of stand up and hit real backhands and forehands. Would that be intense?
0: that would be as more intense as when the Wii – when uh, are you guys familiar with with Nintendo Wii? of course okay when they rolled out uh Wii sports and they had tennis yes. I, I remember okay. so
2: yes. many people got it was, uh it was lot of tennis elbows from that and and i i, I just wanted to call it an from, in,
1: i wanted to call it an injury it's right but ding bad boom here's a picture of marvin rvp you know, at the French bien. Open,
5: yeah, yeah, joué.
1: See, I want to see, I want to see what this guy looked like. Yeah, wow, yeah, he looks like a regular. Yeah, and his French Open, yeah. rolling Garros back background. Incredible, and yeah, you know, he looked like he's about sixteen or seventeen or something like that. I don't think he, he can take Rafa. Do you? You think he? Well, I think he's he's he's, he's much 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 better than me. <laughs> he's uh, I'm I'm going
5: to be very aggressive and very humble about it, and uh, I would like to bring him outside. You know, he does not have a tan. So, you know, it he, he may take a bit <laughs> of adjusting to be outside.
1: Are these guys athletes? Would, they, would you consider them an athlete in, in the true sense of the the sport?
4: Cranium no. Because it
1: says eSports. It's saying eSports. No, they, I, they are coordinated. I, I'll, there's no question. I about. think they're talented, but are they athletes? No. So, now, the the next part of this, I've, I've come up with another article here. You know, me mm-hmm. with my fact-finding. I'm on top of this hard-hitting, impactful Craig, stuff. Craig, there, there
2: are so many podcasts where they're almost proud that they don't re- do research. And, no, Craig, I'm a you're research... blowing these oh, people no. out of the water, man. <laughs> you're the best. No,
1: no. Esports will have more viewers than tennis in the U.S. within the next three years, says New Report, wow. New Zoo. Wow. Esports right there. It's in... Uh, one-inch headlines right am, there. It's not Jimmy Johnson. four-inch headlines. But it says, as esports continue to grow bolstered by the recent success of Overwatch League. Everybody heard yeah. of Overwatch, Overwatch League? Overwatch is huge. Really? What it's is it? Really?
0: Uh, uh, educate the old guy here. It's a, uh, I think it's a 5v5 okay. player competition team. And yep. you play different characters who have either unique abilities and they all have each a role. So you have one that's a heavy, but also is really good at protecting the team. Mm-hmm. You have a person that runs really fast but also isn't very protective, so it's more of a scouting. Uh, you have a person that heals people. So if you uh, go charging into a room and you're in a group full of people trying to take out the other team, then you have that one person healing the rest of the team. So it's a little bit more strategic. Um, I mean, if we're talking about really competitive games, uh, that one's one of them. I think League of Legends and Dota. Uh, two other titles you probably have never heard of. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. you, you, you've, got,
1: you've got that down pretty well because that's not something that uh, I know about. But in this article also, too, it says, uh, there might even be a Nike ad campaign for a major eSports player in the very near future. Overwatch League finals at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New Jersey, there's a picture here, it was sold out, is the most recent demonstration of the continuing growth of eSports. Al O W L, so that'd be Overwatch League. Representatives informed us today that the grand finals drew 10.8 million viewers globally, exceeding the audience for all of the 28 seasons' opening week.
0: And I bet you this is probably straight online, because yes. all of those all of those games are streamed online. Online, on like YouTube and Twitch and everything and Facebook. Yeah, I mean,
1: I mean, they sold out the Barclays. I mean, it shows these uh, pictures yeah. they sold out right here for the grand finals. That's in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, yeah that's where the right. Nets play yes. now. Yeah, that's correct. And so, yeah. I mean, it. you start reading the article. I'm not going to read it all, you know, here. But uh, uh, it. it's amazing what eSports are doing. And will that be bigger than tennis at some point? You know, like, in, could, could you see the, this guy, Nanone, or whatever the dude is that won the French Open for – for uh, tennis Esports, world tour, yeah. world, uh, tennis world tour game, would he be bigger than Nadal at some point? For winning, you know, he, he could be like the 15-time champion, and Nadal is the you know 13-time champion. Yeah. Would he be more popular at some point? Do you think? I mean, you're a young guy, Jason. Come on, let's go out on the ledge here. <laughs> I don't. Let's go on the ledge. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's looking like
3: it. Yeah, it probably could happen, but I just can't think like that right now I mean it's just <laughs> something it, it's just kind of like it's, at 1140 at night you can't think come on <laughs> yeah you know? we're at 1149 at this point so it's we, just amazing we, to me that like that that you know the Barclays Center is sold out and, and people like you know it's not like hey come to this you know little little, little place and we'll gather a few friends and yeah. we'll have a competition this is huge it's right I yeah. mean I mean I guess the the possibilities are endless when you think of you know having like a a world circuit of it you know or something like that or like you know i think i think the sponsorships are certainly the business side of it with all the sponsorships and partnerships of like oh now you see like you know will will coca-cola be a sponsor of this and all that and you see like oh my god like the money they're going to throw into this is going to be huge like i mean it's hard it's hard to really grasp the magnitude of what it really is i can
0: I can I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. I can already tell. I can tell you right now that it's actually c- come into fruition. All those sponsors that you named off, Coca Cola, uh, Nike. I can That's see right. in a Craig mentioned here, Nike, yeah. But Coca Cola, and you have major sponsors and stuff like that. Maybe not in the titles like uh, tennis right now, uh, as far as video games. Uh, but but another, it's out there. But it's out there already, and I've seen those major sponsorships already. Like there's one that I'll be going to. Uh, it's not as huge, but it, it, it is sort of huge. But there's one I'll be going to this weekend. Um, and this are you, are you is, going to,
1: out of interest just to watch? Or are you going to interest out of play or
0: uh, interest out of uh, just to watch? Okay, uh, here,
1: here in the Dallas area. Yeah,
0: uh, okay. over uh, in the uh, Gaylord Convention Center. Oh yeah, Center. the Gaylord. Oh, sure. In, uh, yeah, not
1: that, far okay. from there. Could yeah. you watch it online if you wanted to?
0: Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I mean, these kids compete for money. The in It's uh, QuakeCon. So it's a a show called QuakeCon. Have you ever uh, heard that? mm -mm, Yeah. Uh, The number one sponsor is a game developer and publisher called Bethesda. Um, And, I mean, they pump tons and tons of money to these competitions and stuff like that. But one of them is like a a Coke. And Alienware and Logitech and all these other uh, PC manufacturers will invest money into that to sponsor all these competitions. And I've seen the same thing for other and more bigger competitions, mm. and they also mm-hmm. have world circuits because you have the the North America, you have the South America, you have the Europe, and you have the China circuits, and then you also compete for, for global ranks. Interesting. What about Cheetos and Hohos and Ding Dong's? Are I they sponsored? Think a Monster, <laughs> Red <laughs> Bull, monster, monster, yeah, Mountain Dew, oh, yeah. Five
1: Hour Energy. Yep. Oh man! Yeah, there's <laughs> Bella, yeah, absolutely. I, I I think there's a there's room for four hour energy uh, in there. It could be <laughs> four, four, four minute four minute energy. You just need a quick burst. You know, <laughs> when you need that burst in in your fingers. You know, something like Hyper-speed. that. Hyper speed. Hey, maybe you know people instead of having you know. Problems they could have, thumb problems you could help them with. There you go, there you some go. Thumb apparatus. <laughs> DFW thumbs. You know, there are
3: you know, there are wrist orthotics that can be made. You <laughs> yes, know Here we
1: there got are. a new business model for you, right there. That's great. If you make it for for small handed people Why that are under thumbs? the age of 18, oh, man, I was you know, too hard. uh, let's go over the four set, let's go into, into tour talk, a little mm-hmm. bit of tour talk right, right now. What about uh. We were talking about the WTT Invesco Series. Oh, excuse me, WTT World Team Tennis. World Team Tennis. Our yeah. good buddy Craig Carden and the Philadelphia Freedoms. Did you know they were in first place right now? They they got a couple good players, yes. including
2: uh, Mitch Krueger. Yes, we who recently saw that. won a tournament right here in Dallas. So a little
1: plug for a Yonex Pro of, of yours, Craig. Oh, that's right. You got 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 to like the YY. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they are. Uh, uh, six and one. Also, uh, World Team Tennis signs a new streaming deal. Uh, they've got a deal that uh, you can actually watch online. We were watching it uh, just recently up That's here. That's right. And they've got a new streaming deal that also was on CBS tonight. I was watching uh, a little bit World Team Tennis, which begins 44th consecutive season. That's hard to believe. That's been around 44 years. I remember World Team Tennis. Well. well. 44 years, that, that was what, 70? That would be 75. 75, yeah. Yeah. 1975 announced several international streaming deals, a dedicated WTT daily motion stream, live betting outside North America. Here here comes some more uh, uh, wagering outside, yes, and China. Outside North America and China, and eight matches that will air throughout the season on tape delay on various regional sports networks. Mm-hmm. So, very nice that uh, they're they're getting into the uh, the world of streaming. But right now, as of today, hot off the presses, the Philadelphia Freedoms shine on me are six and one. Springfield Lasers five and one. San Diego Avatars four and three. And uh, the Vegas Rollers they they are uh, not doing well. They're two and five. I,
2: I want to just point out the the gaming David yes. uh, influence on Craig. It's the San Diego Aviators, Aviators, and Craig subconsciously called it avatars. Avatars. So I I'm just oh. not gonna. I'm not gonna yes, buy it. That, that, is, that a 59 and a half year old yeah, is
1: avatars. not a gamer. Yes. I believe Craig. Yeah, yeah that, that was where Comic Con is in San Diego. We're, yeah. we're already in the future, right? They, they are. That's funny. Yeah, they have a bunch of avatars sitting in the stands and, and then playing tennis on their team, right? You know? <laughs> Hey, I'm up with that. Absolutely, I'm up Excellent. with a little pop culture there.
2: <laughs> I thought he was going to go Dungeons and Dragons on us, and here he is dropping avatars. That's right. See, love you love it, man.
1: You, you got, you got to stay up with me. I'm like yeah. I said, it's 11:50 at night, so yeah. you, got, you got to be. You it got to be right there. You know? It is,
2: and I'm just thankful for my 10 improv classes because I, I may not have caught that if I hadn't. had some right. Yeah, right.
1: Experience there. Right. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I thank you for for doing that. You know, my pleasure. You were listening at least at this my at this pleasure. point. Uh, this is kind of an interesting. In Vesco series, this is the old farts tour that uh Jim Courier has uh started up a while back. That's right. Todd Martin used a wood Jack Kramer pro step yes. to win the title in Newport. Can you believe that? He did it. He did you wow. see that? That's unbelievable. I didn't realize that. Yes. He beat
2: Courier with the T two thousand, he beat Motts with the Rosignol, and was there another there must have been a fourth.
1: Did did he? No. I don't know. I uh, I, I know those guys were. Let me see who who
2: And uh, I get Motts' uh sort of News, Right.
1: So I, I know oh, Mott said wow. that Rosignol. Yeah, trying to see From Wow, exactly, from our buddy Cameron Lickle, yeah. It's, it's – yeah, let's uh, see. Uh, that's the one that John McEnroe made famous, really, the Jack Kramer pro staff. That's I think, He had
2: the brown diamonds, yes, yeah. Yes, that's the
1: brown diamonds yeah. right there. There it is. That's I mean, the one. I can't believe that there was a racket. I wonder if how he got that Wilson racket, if that was a uh, – A new one? Was it one that he had in collection at the Hall of Fame? Oh, I I saw at the Hall of Fame. He's the CEO. And I saw a quick video of Yevgeny
2: Kifelnikov doing the nice Wilson uh, white overgrips on it. Because I wondered, you know, it's very hot. There's a heat wave up there. It's very humid. Rough to use a leather grip right now. So I'm glad they at least did the modern. Yep. Modern shoes, modern grips.
1: Yep. It, yeah. yeah, it says Vlander, the former number one, used a steel Yonex racket. Oh, he went with the Yonex. That's he, right. He got it as a prize when he was a 12 year old and under. So this this was a retro, I guess, all. Uh, uh, yeah, let's see. Sundays, he won a special retro racket version of the Invesco series. Yeah. QQQ. Held in conjunction with the ATP Hall of Fame, so all of them so were. So
2: Nasdaq QQQ, and they called yep. it Wood and Steel or something. Wood so, and something steel. like that. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, that's kind of funny. So everybody was using probably a, a frame of, of retro frame. Seventies, right? Yeah, that's that's Love pretty it. fun though. Yeah, for for the uh, the old
2: farts to... I'm uh, happy they did it. Yeah, and you know, Martin probably still had a pretty darn good serve. He said he at liked the racket. Forty eight or whatever. Oh, I'm he sure is. he, could, yeah. he could probably crank a few. Still on that bring deal. it, being six foot six.
4: Yeah.
1: So what what do you think about speaking of Hall of Fame, uh, the Hall of Fame? Uh, people that they inducted this year. I, I was going to see what your all's thoughts were about. Uh, uh, for me, not what I call the greatest class out there, uh, but I think that they're very nice players. Lena, uh, Yevgeny Kafelnikov, and Mary Pierce. Th- those three were inducted into the the recent Hall of Fame, and nothing against them personally. I just yeah. I think that uh, when I think of uh, Hall of Fame, I'm, I'm just you know I'm a little more traditional. I go more old school. You got to win. You know, that's reserved for the special people and like you know like i said nothing personally Lena won didn't she win the australian open yeah, yes several
2: I, years ago yeah i think she won two slams like evgeny kofelnikov i believe she won was it two australians or a french and australian we, I, it's something but yeah and but, like
1: Kafelnikov won the french and the australian Mary Pierce won the French and the Australian. So, so, if you're walking down the street and you're asking people, "Hey, would you know who Jimmy Connors is, or would you know through Yevgeny Felnikov? I think most Americans would probably go, "Okay, Jimmy Jimbo. Connors, yeah. right? Sure. Yevgeny, uh, okay. Yeah. You know, nothing personal against Yevgeny. I'm just going to throw a hot sports opinion out there yeah. and say he was he was a fine player. He was a lot better than Craig Bell. But
2: but, but going back to the sports betting, I think most sports bettors would know Yevgeny Kafelnikov. You think? but bing, bada boom. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> Little you
1: there.
2: Sorry, folks.
1: Jason, what are your thoughts on the? Uh, we're going to get you out there. We're going to make oh, it, make a statement. Yeah, I thought
3: it was a weak class. I mean, I think that they're kind of all in the kind of par with each other. Yeah. Like you know, they had five great careers, yes. but like not not super n- not not careers that like yo, know, you're going to tell you're going to remember them yeah. for thirty years.
2: Well, get used to it, folks, because I we're in the era of the big three, and there are going to be a lot of classes where there's nobody. They kind of have to induct one or two or three, and there are going to be some some Chilich, some Chilich, some uh, Del, Del Potro, Potro
1: people with just one right. slams,
2: yeah, slam, slam. Yeah. You
1: know, I, I, see, I see Del Potro more than Kefelnikov. for me because I because you know I'm, I remember watching Kefalnikov it, It's twelve o'clock. You know? Yeah, it is. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's my, my it's mouth late. is getting. Uh, Del Potro I think is a better player. I, I think, you know, in his era versus a Kafelnikov. I mean, like I said, I like Evgeny. I think he played some good tennis in Mary no. and Lena, no, but I'm just like, you know, it's kind of like a yawner for me at this point. I'm just kind of like, I I, no. I want to yeah, just say yeah. something positive about
2: Kafelnikov. Yeah. Also a double slam and an Olympic gold. Del Potro no. And I want to say one really positive about Mary Pierce. She has hit a tweener in a live match, and it was a winner. So, <laughs> I'm, right. I'm I'm wow. smiling well, and, and about she, Mary Pierce. And
1: she's a protege she of Craig Cardin, one That's of our right. one of our guests, that, one of our uh, buddies,
2: Zach, and valued, esteemed guest. Yeah. Yes.
1: I mean, I mean, like I said, they're they're very fine players, and yep. I'm sure lovely people. But uh, for me, um, you know. Um, and if if I were to play uh,
2: sort of good cop to your bad, uh, Lina brought the game to untold millions oh. of folks in Asia in Asia. Oh, yeah no question about so, that so so mad props, I think, yeah. so while some people are underwhelmed uh, by these these three uh, inductees, maybe not that many people are overwhelmed. I'm just whelmed. I'm just kind of in there. Yep, you're just whelmed. You're yeah. whelmed at this point? Yeah. <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah. What? Uh, anything about uh, the tours right now, U.S. Open Series, that kind of stuff? We've got uh, the race for, what, a million dollars? or Gosh, if the, if the ATP Tour is getting $100 million, you'd think that they could uh, throw a few more dollars into the uh, AT, the uh, U.S. Open Series, wouldn't you? And by that logic, the USGA makes some money, too. I'm sure they have some coffers they could they could kick in. No, yeah. they, they don't make enough money, do they? I, I don't think they're, they're 200, $250 million for a two-week little tournament. That's that's not enough. Money. I
3: don't really think it's a fair contest because you don't have everyone playing the same amount of Over tournaments. here, yeah, you know, like it's really boils. It really boils down to the two tournaments. You know, the uh, the two Master Series:
2: Cincinnati and Montreal, slash yeah. Toronto. I mean,
3: you have some of the lower guys. They're playing like for six weeks in a row. They're playing. They're playing Atlanta, then they go to Washington D.C. Winston then they, you know, Salem is in there. They, yeah, so yeah, it really kind of depends on like. It's really kinda of saying, you know, how far are you going at the at the at the two big ones. Also the points are different.
2: Also how hard are you working before uh, and are you gonna peak for those or are you gonna peak in New York City?
3: Yeah. And I mean you saw the I saw what yesterday Federer pulled out of Montreal oh, he did? on the first week of August. Yep. So it's like, oh well, you know, he's not even gonna play his next tournament won't even be till Cincinnati. Yep. So, Cincinnati. so so you kinda think, well, he's definitely not gonna probably win and win the U.S. Open Series um, title because he's only going to play one tournament leading up to the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. So you think you think well. he needs the million?
1: I does not need that million bucks, does he? Yeah, I'm sure he's not worried about that. But uh, but uh, anything else about uh, the U.S. Open Series that uh, got your caught your fancy?
2: I enjoy it. I'm uh, I I kind of actually weirdly like this time of year because we just had a tournament after Wimbledon on grass in Newport. We had Umag in Croatia. We had, I
0: Bostad. think,
2: Bostad up in Sweden, also yeah. on clay. So it's it's pretty weird that that uh, you've got grass and clay in the same week. Right. That's yeah. a, that's what's what, the yeah.
1: unique thing right now. Yeah, we were watching Tennis Channel today, and they, yeah. they were playing a clay court tournament over in Hamburg, uh, in like, Germany. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I'm like. Why are they playing on clay? Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. I thought we were going to be on hard courts, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I guess the Europeans love love clay, and so that's just a difference. And Bundesliga is going on right now. That's in true. Germany. Germany's league. You're right. So, so like, money. Did they kinda, you ever do that? Did you ever play the Bundesliga? I
3: played the winter league one time, but when it wasn't. That, it, it, it's only really played in the north, and there's not that many teams. But I never played the actual um, summer league in Germany. Um, but it's big. I mean, they get a lot of players. I mean, they get a lot of sponsors for the clubs. I mean, it's really just kind of like country clubs yeah. sponsoring a team. And you know, but it's it's going on right now in Germany for about three or four weeks. It's a is a big season there.
1: One of my assistants back in about thirty years ago, they gave him twenty thousand dollars to come over and play two matches. I'm like, what? Well, I go, That's hey, a lot. I go, Christian, if you find a deal like that, this, this is 1989. I kid yeah. you not. And he, he, was, he was an Australian guy from Brisbane and good player, real good player, played for Oklahoma State. He came and worked for me down in San Antonio. And I remember he got a phone call. He goes, hey, can I go? And I go, well, yeah, I go, but I get my, my, yeah, get my you, cut. you got to have that cut. <laughs> but, but he said that when he got there, that, uh, the president of the club, Driver came and picked him up in like this big, nice limo, and they took him to like this big mansion and just kind of wined and dined. They were just trying to move up from like level three to level up two to or two, something. Yeah. And right. I think they could only have two foreigners, you know, kind of like college tennis. It's one foreigner or now. Or one foreigner now? Yeah. Yes. And so he was designated as the guy and, and uh, to come in for 20 grand. I was like, for two weeks. Actually, it's like,
3: one non EU player now. They've changed the rules over the years okay. for Bundesliga.
1: Yeah, I was like, wow, if you, if you can find a deal like, like that for me, Christian, I'll come over with you, too. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't mind. You know, Ten I, grand a
2: week, not too shabby.
1: And he, he got the use of, like, a Porsche also, yeah. too, for, wow. the for like, two weeks. I was like, impressive. that but, was but, really uh, impressive.
2: But it was an automatic. So, yeah, it was an automatic. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> <that's right. laughs> no, they don't have any of those in Germany. They have the real deal.
1: Well, also, before the the strike clock, uh, uh, strike the clock strikes twelve. Right, the clock. There we go. Whatever it is, right there. I like am having trouble right now. Uh, we, on July 22nd in 2007, this is kind of the story behind the story. This is kind of good.
2: a this day in history. This story day in history. The story. Yeah, yep,
1: this is pretty good. This is a pretty good story. Oh, good. Uh, Belgian qualifier Stevie Darcis, ranked 297 on the on the computer, defeats Austria's Werner Eschaller, Eschaller, six, yeah. Eschaller six one seven six in the final of the Dutch Open in Emsfoot, Netherlands. Darcis uh, playing in the main draw. If he's only second ATP event is the lowest ranked player. This is where it really comes. The lowest ranked player to win a title since Tommy Haas, whose wow. boss, who, who due to injury is ranked 349, when he wins the U.S. Men's Clay Court in Houston in 2004, 1998. Leighton Hewitt is ranked 550 when he wins the title in Adelaide, Australia. So this mm-hmm. day in history, Stevie Darcy's. Uh, wins uh, a a tournament as the lowest-ranked player to win a title since Tommy Haas. That's an interesting record. And I've played
3: both of those guys. I've I've played played Steve Darcis and I've played Werner Eschauer. Eschauer, yeah. Yeah, I played Eschauer in doubles in Budapest, Hungary, a long, long time ago, and... He was really good. He <laughs> killed me, and I'll just never forget. It was one of those beat-down type matches. Like an uh, O-and-O match? Did well, almost that. You, did know? you go back to the hotel? He Ghana. actually played against, you know, Oliver Marock? He's yeah, a Marock yeah, Marock. Yeah. He played yes. with Marock, two Austrian players. Yeah. And Marock's like top I mean, top. You know, 20 in the world, 30 in the world. But they played together, and they were like kids. That they were like probably 19, 18, 19, 20 Young. years old. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, you mentioned Steve Darcy. He's a, a Belgian guy, and he was one of those um, shorter or medium-sized guy, one-hander with a win over Rafa Nadal at Wimbledon. That's right. It's I a very it. rare thing, rare air to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. He had was, a great backhand slice. Yes, he had that modern slice. Yes, and, and he could do the inside one and the outside one. It was it's an impressive player. Very good.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't. He was he. Mike Russell size five six five seven. I think
2: uh, that's more Rokas uh, Christoph oh, Rok- or yeah, right yeah, This guy was maybe more David Goffin size, okay. maybe five ten, five eleven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm but- guessing. I mean, a lot of times he's listed at five eleven, but then you stand next to him, you're like.
1: Okay, so you're five nine. Okay, well, if you put some lifts in your shoes, like yes, from DFW feet, right. you might be six foot. We might. might. Has anyone we ever asked ha- you we to can do help, that?
3: We could help out with that. Uh, <laughs> Has anyone it's, ever asked
1: you to, to build some shoes up for them? <laughs> yes, hey. but not for those reasons. Not for these reasons. <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, oh, too funny. <laughs> funny. All right. Well, moving on. Let's go to the yes, fifth set. The fifth. This set. is get off my lawn. Oh, I
2: love how Craig says it.
1: Get off my lawn! So he uh, suddenly goes from fifty nine and a half
2: to seventy when he says that. Yes, I'm excellent. I'm, I'm, it's like that face app where you age yourself and you give the Russians all your information. Yeah. It's just like that, only <laughs> only safer.
1: I'm sure you've all seen the picture that's going around that shows Rafa and Novak and and the King. Twenty fifty nine finalists or something of like course. that. Of yeah. course, yeah. that's, that's pretty funny. Pretty pretty funny stuff, and probably true to some degree. Yeah, you know, that you, nobody's really trying to. Uh, Take the mantle. But, uh, all right, what's what's on get off my lawn, Mr. Chabria?
2: What are you thinking? What are we doing here? Well,
1: people switch who they cheer for. You know, you you were talking about that.
2: Uh, One of my pet peeves is when an article starts off with, a study showed that, and it's just absolute nonsense, but this one was interesting, wasn't it? We we both read an article, and it talked about how... um, Uh, A study is showing that a lot more people are now switching allegiances. And the picture was an adorable couple. I'm guessing uh, Jason's age, maybe a bit younger, mid-30s. And they had a Seattle jersey, uh, Seahawks, that is, and a Denver Broncos jersey. And it said something like it started saying maybe um, Manning was the Denver part. And then Wilson was the Seattle part. And it looked like it said Manson, which I thought was hilarious. And then that's maybe that's the woman. And the other one was something like Will Ning. So basically the idea was people don't stick with the team that they were really huge on as a kid as much anymore. Is that because, you know, Cliff Sheets was here recently. He's a renowned fitness and nutrition author and a TV personality and radio personality. Um, I won't get into his bestsellers and some of the great advice he had for our listeners, but he talked a little bit. It was only brief, but I'll never forget the comment. He talked about his accent, his distinct Alabaman accent from Decatur, Alabama, and he said, ah, because of TV and broadcasting, nobody's got accents anymore. I thought, he's correct. You know, I'm actually in broadcasting school, and it's pretty they're, bland. They're kind of legislating local vernacular and accents out in in a, in a big way. They want that Midwestern kind of you know, monotone, straight. They want, uh, they call it Midland American accent. And, you know, maybe 50, 50 years ago they called it the transatlantic accent. And it was sort of, it was British, but it was Boston, but it was New York. And nobody pronounced the letter R. It was totally non-rhotic. And it was it was kind of interesting, but they, they wanted that. And obviously the fashion now is more the clean American English what does this have to do with fandom? I think this article, even though it was studies show, and I don't believe a damn word of it, and I think somebody was just making Fake stuff news. up. Fake yeah. news. <laughs> Fake news. Yeah. Just, Fake it was news. there. Sorry. I, it, yeah. it was there. Yeah, it was, it was a heavy peach, and Craig picked it. That's right. It was, it good was, yeah. it was right there. So um, uh, sort of Cliff's point about accents is how I see it with uh, you know, I want to tell those people to get off my lawn. And that was the, that was the, <laughs> the gist of the article, basically that I, I, I believe the writer of the article actually says F these people, meaning like, don't you want to stick with the Denver or the Philly or the Boston or the Seattle that you, that you grew up with, you know? And then it made me think, yes, I want those people to get off my lawn, but what is that, how does that relate to us as tennis guys? Because, You know, is there allegiance? You know, is there? I I, certainly back in the day, it was, you know, oh, he's a McEnroe guy or my dad's a bit of a Connors guy or, you know, "that, that guy's a Lendl guy. And there was only two or three of him in the, you know, in the area. You know, what do you think of that, Jason?
3: Oh, man. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> fandom fandom
2: in, an, in a ridiculously international you're, sport. You're still a,
1: a Boilermaker fan through and through, right? You're not absolutely. And a Cowboys. Yeah And a Cowboys. A Cowboys fan. Dallas, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. You haven't jumped off the wagon?
3: Well... No, I haven't jumped off the wagon. Actually, you want a good, you want a good story? Yeah, well, I do. Sure, come T- on. Two days ago, I made orthotics for a Dallas Cowboy. Yeah, there we go. Like, I'm back on. The, oh. uh, so I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna like follow this guy. I won't tell you who it was. Okay. Oh, oh sad. sad. No, no, no. Actually, 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 they just signed him back in March. Okay. He's a, he's a, he was a trade from the Detroit Lions. So po- I'm like, po-
2: post show banter, I'm and like- when we go Patreon, <laughs> you guys can access that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and and speaking of get off my lawn, I I also – we were talking about accents briefly. And I want – you know who I want off my lawn is vocal fry when people end their sentences like this. I'm getting tired of that. When people – you know quite a few people. And I blame the Kardashian effect. A lot of people start – they just kind of talk like this and everything's uh, ending like I heard something (laughs) about
1: that. The Kardashians Uh are – influencing women to speak differently their Absolutely. dictation has changed in the last several years because of the Kardashian 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 I, uh, yeah Kardashian. I think there's some vocal, Kardashian. I think vocal fry
2: I attribute yes. to them I think there's some up talking where they kind of they're they're using statements but there are some question marks hidden in there uh, this one time at tennis camp you know I think, I think <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, this so one time, I, I uh, tennis cap. <laughs> so I don't mind asking those people to get off. Get what was that? Get Craig? off my lawn.
4: Get off my lawn. Excellent. Right.
1: Excellent boys. Right. Yeah. That's. Uh, uh, but you. You also had something about uh, numb looks in interviews. You had. you know the, oh, the, you know, the I, way. Yeah,
2: the... I'm a little tired of the numbness, and I'm not just talking about. My favorite Haitian Japanese player, Naomi Osaka. Uh, I'm tired of that numb look, whether they've won or lost, and they're just kind of like this. And the, Yeah, what do you want me to say? I, I didn't play very well. One of my favorites. Osaka
3: is great. I, and she, I love her first comment. I want to thank everyone for coming to the match today.
2: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Man, we're going someplace. Yeah. Tremendous. That's very riveting, good. Riveting, riveting interview.
3: Um, She's... I want to thank everybody for coming and supporting me today. Yeah. <laughs> and she,
2: by the way, she up talks too. She yeah, I, I want her to talk about this one time. Yeah, I, I can see her. I can see her
1: with so, that one too. So let me ask you a question. That brings up a really yeah. interesting point. Did the ATP tour get you guys in a room? Cause we were on the tour and go, okay, guys, now you need to thank the sponsors. You need to thank the the players. Yeah. Did, they, did you? Did they coach you how to to, to do a post match interview?
3: No, that's done with the ATP has a what's called an ATP University, and they do it probably once a year. And they do it in Miami, and they basically take a lot of the young, um, young players, up and coming.
1: The people at tennis camp.
3: Yeah, <laughs> all the all the ones that are kind of broken in the top 200 in the world that are like look like they'll be high up, and Decent. they yeah. they train and they train them how to talk to the media, how to like what to do, what not to do. So, but really, it's just kind of. You know they have to learn from their agents and stuff mm-hmm. like what to say what don't say let me handle this you don't handle that so I think it's really kind of like a lot of the agents kind of guiding them interesting yeah cause I'm
2: sure some agents want their charges to be or their clients to be interesting and it seems like quite a few of them go with the very boring uh yeah, I mean, I'm just out there controlling the trotables, and you know, like three, it's the same bloody thing all the time. Three phases of the game, like it Jason is. Garrett. Like Jason Garrett. <laughs> God, if I hear that
1: one more time, the three phases same, of the game. Same. Jeez, that guy oh. just drives me nuts. You know, Love, it's like he's red. a robot. Love no, red, come but on. you can tell. Get off my lawn, Jason. Yes. You can tell it's a script. Not Jason Marshall. Yeah, Jason G. Jason, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Three phases of the game. We didn't play well in three phases of the game. I was like. God, if I've heard that thing a zillion times, I can't watch that guy. It's like any time that – he doesn't give you anything. He doesn't give you one
2: – They're trained. Neither yeah. does
1: Dak. Dak always is positive about, hey, I'm just growing as a
3: player and I'm nope. learning. But he never talks about in depth about how this play was run and, like, what you know, he never – it's just always kind of like a – We're
1: taking it one day at a time? Yeah, one day at a oh, time. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, what that's that that another mean, good trope, know? yeah. Oh, man, I get yeah. I get sick of that nonsense. You yeah. know? I mean, one game, One day at a time,
2: one point at a time. Uh, control the controllables. These are all the tropes that tried our best. Pro it just didn't work out. Yeah. You know,
1: it was like, come on, just give it a little nugget. You yeah. know, you could throw something out there. You not and, the, okay. Uh, and
2: and then you have Nick
1: Kyrios. Oh man, he'll throw some nuggets. Does out there. Does he give
2: you nuggets? He yes. gives you some radio gold, doesn't he? He's uh, he's not well liked. Uh, we all hate him, but he's so damn good for the game. I'm I'm a fan,
1: weirdly, even though I'm not. So no, wait a minute. You just said people switch their allegiance. You know who they cheer for. Are you saying you're with him or not with him? Or for me,
2: this is what separates us from the animals: that uh, we can have two uh, opposing thoughts in our brains at the same time. And (laughs) that's Nick. He is complete box office. I kind of hate him, but I kind of love him. You need a little championship
1: wrestling going on out there in my own
2: head. And, uh, no, and I I want him to do well, and I hope. Uh, you know, Jason was talking about how good it is for the game. This huge cash infusion, uh, even though some of it is related to sports betting, which is regarded as bad. I mean, this is this is a this is a boon for the game, and I feel Kurios is too. Wow. So I want him to not get off my lawn. I do wish he would get a proper coach and. Proper work ethic. He's number
1: one on your lawn a few times, hasn't he?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: when he takes a number two on your lawn, then you're gonna tell him to get off your lawn. <laughs> then I
2: might take a picture and Instagram it and oh, yeah. uh, and overnight celebrity because of Nick. you know, <laughs>
1: terrible. So you but. didn't, you know, you're gonna have this much fun, did you, Jason? <laughs> this is awesome. I'm having a good time. Do <laughs> you want to come back, and <laughs> Joan? <Jonah>? Oh, <it laughs> well, well past my midnight. bedtime, but oh, we're yeah. having a great time. Yeah. Well, anything else we want to spitball about before we? Hit the dismount. I think we've I covered a th- lot of stuff today. I, I want Jason to have a quick look at our liner notes. Oh yeah, yeah. Where, where's the? Uh, you got to do the the, uh, the liner. You know. And, wall and wall folks right. at home, Craig's got at
2: least four clipboards out. Yes. <laughs> and, and it only takes him about three seconds, and boom, he's got it. Uh, we,
1: we've got it right here. There it is. Yep. Look at that. On cue, ladies oh, and gentlemen, Jason Marshall. Yeah, well, I, I want you to do two of them. I want you to oh, do a good. straight one, and then I'm going to ask you to do one other one also too. But go ahead and do your straight one right now. I'll tell you what to do.
3: Hi, my name is Jason Marshall, and when I think of tennis, I always think of at the net podcast with AJC and CB1.
1: There we go. Now, the Excellent. second one I want you to say, I'm, I'm Marshman. You know, so I, want oh, you, nice. I want you to use your use your your code name. Isn't that your nickname, Marshman? Isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There we go. All right.
3: Hey, my name is Marshman. When I think of tennis, I always think of At The Net podcast with AJC and CB1.
1: There you go. Now, Thank that's you. what we're talking about. Hard-hitting, Marsh impactful. <laughs> Marshman
3: 78 on Instagram, folks. That's right. There we go. That's
1: <laughs> it. And you can find it at DFWfeats.com. That's right. I've got that. And then uh, Email. Or you can just go on your website. Well, you sales
3: it. at dfwfeet.com. That's kind of like my general email for good,
1: that. Good. There we go. Good. It's kind of like us, info at, at netpodcast.com. Net That's yeah. right. You can always find yes, us there. Certainly. Yeah, we're getting ready to head out there. Boy, what a! I, I think this has been our longest podcast, but it's it been was. our most fun podcast. It, was. it had, flew, though. It oh, really was Oh, my gosh. Fun. Yeah, yes. I said they're looking at it's. Thank uh, We we're, were after midnight. but uh, So thanks for listening to Season 1. We're always going to do season one. We've never we're never going to season two or season three. We're actually just going to. Do Craig, that. that's going you, to... Just oh, you just told. Oh. You just told everybody. Well, cut that out.
0: I'm cutting that <laughs> out. <laughs> okay.
1: That's for patriots only. Yeah. Thanks for listening to season one. I'll redo this thing again so that way we can we can talk about. It. Thanks for listening to season one, episode four, of At the Net podcast. Be sure to tell a friend or friends as We like your peeps. We like your peeps, Jason. So yes. Hopefully they will like us. And that's the tennis news as it seems to us. Good. Oh, it's it's not good day anymore. It's good evening for. It's actually good, good morning. morning. Good, morning. <laughs> good morning from Dallas, Texas. I'm up for a couple of eggs right now. You know? We're, we're going to go to the Waffle House. <laughs> oh, Let's go man, right the now. Sounds so <laughs> good right now. <laughs> all right, everybody, have a good one. Thank you all. Thank you Thank all. You. Thank have you. a great Thank night. You.